This week on Out Now, a very special episode, we record our top 10 of 2017. It's a big list, and we're all big excited. We checked it twice. recording and this is out now with aaron and abe i am aaron and as always this is abe hello i'm wearing a tuxedo with a bow tie that's that's great i'm, I'm, I'm glad <laughs> it's that one of those kind of shows well you didn't mention the pants uh, so it's i just assume i you know. never wear tuxedo pants yeah well, Out Now is a film podcast where Amy and I discuss new movies weekly. It covers the very various movie topics. Jump into a mostly spoiler free review, then jump back into the other fun movie topics. This is our special episode, though. It's still a numbered episode because it's episode 312. 312. Hey, 312. That's pretty cool. I think so. No, no other comment. There you go. Um, but uh, instead of a main review for the week, we're going to be doing our top 10 films of 2017. That's correct. Oh. Our top 10. Favorite films, best films, question mark, of the year. That is that is the plan for tonight. You couldn't see it, but I kind of like tilted my head and I was like, maybe best mar- best movies? I don't know. It's, it's kind of subjective. We're, we're going to get to that, actually. We'll discuss this, yes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's that's the plan for tonight. We, we've assembled a top ten film list between myself, Abe, and the guests coming on this show. And joining me, speaking of our guests, we have, from Zachy's Corner and the Movie Film Podcast, he's game for a colossal good time at a Florida project for a disaster list. It's Zachy Hassan. Hello. That was a really good intro. Kudos. And from from Wise Blue and the Cult Cinema Cavalcade podcast, get out and get ready for a good time squaring off in a year 2049 with his list. It's Brandon Peters. Hi. Thank you for having me. For sure. I like that one, too. We're going to have to wait a long time to go hang out with him, though. Yeah, that's unfortunate. (laughs) Brandon, Zachy, how are you both doing tonight? Hello, guys. Terrific. Doing very well. I got to say right off the bat, special apologies go to Mark Hoban, who I completely <laughs> planned to have on this episode, and just a scheduling error prevented this from happening. Um, he's been a staple on the top 10 episodes since we started doing them on since this podcast. Since we started, yeah. Um, so it's unfortunate that he's not going to be on uh, for this episode, uh, but we will uh, make it up to him in some form. We will certainly you know, read his list on this show. And, yes, yeah. of course. So we'll... Uh... He... Like up in the air, he's losing out here tonight. So. Mm. <laughs> but he's getting his seven seven million miles in the air. He is. Yeah, working on it. From the hero himself, Sam Elliott. <laughs> I forgot that he was the pilot. Yeah. <laughs> Love Sam Elliott. So yeah, that's what we're gonna do in this episode. We're doing Let's our, do it. Our top ten films of the year. We have very few things to go along with that. Uh, most of it's a lot of feedback related questions, but they all relate to both this year, as in the kind of year as a whole, as well as the next year. Um, so. To, to get right into that, um, well, actually, let me do some quick show notes, okay, real quick. Show notes. iTunes reviews and ratings. <laughs> if you like this show, if you like listening to Out Now with Aaron and Abe, you can go log into iTunes. You can search for us. You can give us a star rating. That'd be awesome. You can even give us a written review. That'd also be awesome. Yeah, thank you very much in advance. All right. So with that out of the way, let's uh, let's do a special note, everybody. Where uh, each week, Abe and I generally ask each other new questions. So, but uh, every you know, back to these kind of set the tone for the podcast. We better get to know everybody. 
Uh, I have a specific question this week for all of us. Right. Um, because it applies directly to the top ten list. It's from friend of the show, Jim Dietz. The voice himself. He asks, what is your process on building your top ten list? Do you go back all over your reviews for the year, or do you keep a running list as you go, or both, or neither? So, how do you guys form your top ten list? What's what's the process in this? I go to exactly 11 films throughout the year, and I figure out which is the ten best. <laughs> only films. only 11. <laughs> yeah, someone's got to be left in the dust. Someone, I have to make I have to make the worst film of the year, right? So that <laughs> so the one that doesn't make your top ten makes the number list. eleven. <laughs> this year it's three billboards. So three Ooh, uh, that no. makes no. sense. <laughs> no, I I what I do is I get you know I Aaron and I both write at Why So Blue and Aaron has in the past couple of years uh, had us all contribute our halfway point lists where we'll do five instead of ten because it's half of the top ten, but. I usually at the end of the year go back looking through my reviews. I go looking back through the film schedule and, uh, you know, I'll just start writing down if I just, you know, did I like it? And then I have those. And then I, then I'll end up being a obnoxiously big list of, you know, 40 plus titles or something like that. And then I'll start knocking off the ones down to a certain point, but it gets really hard. But then I start getting to when it gets really the nitty gritty, I'm like, which one am I going to reach for to watch? faster than the other mm-hmm. which one am i going to go back to more or quicker and there's ones in my top 10 in places where i'm like you're gonna move up i just might need to see you more a couple more times but rewatchability will play a factor when it gets really down to like let's say we got 15 and i need to hack out five but right it's 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 tough this year was a tough year a very very tough year how about you zaki yeah, I, my uh, process is very similar. I mean, I I, I definitely rewatchability is a big factor, and just um, obviously the you know we get sort of the awards caliber stuff near the end. So uh, I try to be you know I try to cast a long gaze and say, well, what what is the stuff from earlier in the year that really stuck with me or that I ended up rewatching a lot or that spoke to me in a specific way? And I I also um, I try to have a balance of "Quote unquote, like mainstream stuff and a little bit more, um, more indie type stuff. Like I, that is something that I look at when I comprise, uh, you know, wh- what ends up being my like, you know, top twelve or whatever is how much of this is here, how much of this, and I sort of prune according to that as well. Hey, how about you? I like that. Uh, to answer Jim's question, I don't keep a running list as I go. I kind of. Uh reflect on it at the end of the year and then i start um putting together again like what what uh, brandon and zach had mentioned things that are rewatchable and also things that i reach for faster um and in general i i tend to look back at the titles and i'll kind of get uh, a feel for them um kind of just seeing okay well you know that one that one I do remember a lot of the visual aspects of that movie or the auditory aspects of that movie. And then I'll just think to myself, you know, it it was really well done. I really enjoyed those aspects and, and uh, all those technical details, I guess. So when I'm looking at a top 10 list, that's kind of how I run through it. Uh, No real, no real list order, but like what Zach had mentioned, I always look no running list, but I always look at the list of the releases in the year um, just to jog my memory and, or I'll watch like a ton of trailers again, um, just to to get some of the uh, the uh, I guess nuances. So yeah, you know it's funny. I I do surprisingly little work 
to put the list together as far as kind of looking back at like the halfway year list that we do, like Brandon, you mentioned, or <clears throat> reflecting on like the letter grades or numbers or what have you that I give to films. It's, mm -hmm. it's more of, I have an idea of what I want to have in there. And then I'll look through, cause I have a list at the, my blog, the code of Zeke that just has like a list of every movie that I saw in the year. Yeah. And just so I have a record of, you know, so mainly so I could find the review pretty easily. That's really the best way. That's really the, the main reason I do it. Um, and so, you know, I'll kind of, I'll boil, I'll boil it down to movies that I would prop would most likely, you know, sit into a top 10 in some war and I'll slowly take, take, take ones away. And then once I get down to, you know, a certain number, I'll start organizing things and seeing how it looks at me, you know, how I look at it and be like, yeah, that makes sense. Um, but as far like you guys have mentioned rewatchability or like, you know, what movie would I grab first? I don't let that play a factor. There's a number of movies um, in every year where I don't necessarily think I'm going to watch this again really quickly or it's because of how easy easier it would be for me to watch this that mm -hmm. it's going to you know be higher on my list that applies to an extent because obviously i really like the movie to begin with so i wouldn't want to never see it again but there's certain there, i mean there's one movie on my list in particular where I'm like it's probably i'm probably not going to watch this movie very often but i'm very happy to have it a part of my list because i really love the movie thor ragnarok yeah obviously thor ragnarok yeah hugely yeah, that's, that's only it, one it's time. really a good one it's a one-time one. it really watch. makes you sick after watching yeah, it's it like again. yeah there's you know it's like thor ragnarok and schindler's <laughs> list i'm like i'm good i saw them <laughs> once like, i don't know and grave of the fireflies we grave of the fireflies. i mean i i can't when they hopkin watching hopkins die again i, I just can't sit through that yeah I, when he it, just turns into space dust or whatever happens to him. Oh, don't <laughs> even, even even talking about oh. right now guys can we yeah. move move on from uh, yeah, i want i want to add the, very quickly the, 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 the list of sad movies of hopkins it goes nixon elephant man thor ragnarok <laughs> that's that's that's, oh. that's where it is now. with no, thor ragnarok no, having the potential Joe black to on there up. come on <laughs> no but uh, i want to add very quickly that it's uh i don't really watch the movies like, twice in the same year generally don't watch it so if i if i have an inkling to watch it again that kind of just drives it up so it's not about like watching it again and repeat on dvd per se it's more of like should i go to the theater again to see this because there's a lot of stuff that i may have missed out on but i just really enjoyed it and i want to give it some more money with the exception of one i've seen every movie on this list at least twice oh uh but fun question you want to know what i've seen what movie i from last year i've seen the most from last year yeah i don't know uh, it, it is um, Kong Skull Island. I've seen that movie four oh, times. Nice. Yeah, oh. uh, I intend to watch it more, and now it's on HBO, so I'll see bits and pieces of it every now and then as well. Should have guessed that one actually. Uh, it's it's in my runner-ups. <laughs> Spoilers <laughs> for the list, but it's a, it's it's a movie I really like. That's for sure. Um, what else about list making? Do we cover all that? I think pretty much. Yeah. Okay. That's a good question, Jim. Yeah, for sure. Uh, last question I have before we just kind of get started here. Uh, were there any movies that you were guys were not able to see before making these lists that you really regret? Uh, uh, probably. Um, well, I mean, Phantom Thread opens wide January. I didn't, uh, there are special engagements right now. I haven't seen that. And I haven't seen The Post yet. So a couple or uh, a couple of those movies i i don't know if it's going to affect it the way that it did when when um zero dark 30 came out and i, I watched it in january and i was like this is this is the best movie of the year um so we'll see how are you guys i had uh i didn't see it get to uh call me by your name or phantom thread those were two yeah uh, for me call me by your name and uh, florida project i didn't catch okay i was able to, what did i miss the it's weird to think of the ones I didn't get to see that I think would make the list because that's such a hard 
guess. And I think the ones you guys named, those are certainly ones that would be on, you know, for anyone's kind of year-end list, those would be easy to, be, to like, consider. Mm-hmm. The only one that, like, I one or two, there are a couple foreign films I missed. One was Foxtrot, another was Loveless. Um, Loveless is from the director of, um, oh, what's it called? Oh, no. Uh, it, it, uh, it won, I think, the Oscar, or at least was nominated a couple years ago. Leviathan. Leviathan, uh, which I really liked. And so I was like, oh, well, he's got a new movie. And it's like almost an hour shorter than Leviathan. <laughs> so I think <laughs> this, this is already winning for me. <laughs> but, um, but no, those those are a couple ones that I... I don't know if they make my top ten list, but I'm certainly, you know, want to see them. You know, because I like yeah. to get around to the foreign films as well. And I've gotten a, a lot in before the year ended, so I was very happy with that. But cool. here we are. Um. All right. Well, I think I think we've covered some bases here, guys. So I think we can kind of get ready and get into our top ten list. So how we're going to do this um, for you guys, for our guests as well, since it'd be nice for them to know. Um, what we're going to do to start with is we're going to list our ten through six. Uh, each of us is going to go around in a circle and just say ten, this, nine, this, eight, this, seven. That we're just going to list them all, all five in a row from each of us. And then we'll have some kind of discussion about that, and then we'll uh, we'll do some other stuff. But for now, yeah, I'm gonna you know call out one of your names. You just list ten through six. Got it? Got it. Sounds like a plan. Okay. Well, Zachy, let's start with you. What is your ten through six? Uh, well, let me make sure I have the right order here. So, um, number ten, I had Kong Skull Island. Oh, hey, nice. <laughs> uh, Aaron's see- Aaron uh, seen that four times. <laughs> I've seen it probably more than that, to be honest. <laughs> uh, uh, number nine, I had three billboards. Uh, number eight, a ghost story. Number seven, the disaster artist. And number six was get out. All right. Brandon, what is your 10 through six? Um, number 10, horror was back in a big way this year and no bigger way than friend request. Number 10? <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> I was like, really? Okay. I mean, you know, I think I think uh, unfriended was. <laughs> Fun fact: that's the original title. Uh, no, my real number ten, uh, mother. Um, I'm, glad, I'm glad that you used the exclamation mark. Yes. Uh, number nine was Blade Runner 2049. Um, uh, number uh, eight, Logan. Number seven, Get Out. And number six, Lady Bird. Abe. Number 10, Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets. Number 9, Star Wars The Last Jedi. 8, Thor Ragnarok. 7, Spider-Man Homecoming. And 6, The Big Sick. Nice. Alright. My top, my 10 through 6 are number 10, Baby Driver. Number 9, Good Time. Number 8, Lady Bird. Number 7, Mother. And number 6, Get Out. Nice. Nice. All right. Same as me. So we yeah. So we've got, we've got our uh, we've got our uh, our top ten through sixes here, and we can kind of start talking about things. And I we'll... I noticed a lot of get out there. Get out in three of them. Yeah. Uh, so far, um, get out. I I don't think I ranked it low. Uh, I'm very happy with just having get out here in general. But I'm very happy. Get out is great. I've I've watched it. Yeah a number of times at this point and mm-hmm. it only gets better at the more i watch it yeah there's the rewatchability factor not just from you know the same plot line but also from picking up a bunch of nuance is there in that movie oh yeah, yeah. um what should we call it uh zach you had a question about uh, your views on mother 
Um, I I haven't seen Mother. Yeah. Okay. That's... okay. No worries. So I was like, uh, I hear that Brendan and, and Aaron have it, and I I'm I don't like it as much. So I was just curious if uh, where you sit on there. But, um, okay. Yeah, nice. I'll have to check it out. Yeah. Well, you no, you don't need comment. to. You don't need to. Well, it, it's fine since you know it's not a it's not an Abe's list, nor did I expect it to be. We could talk a lot about Mother because Mother is fantastic. No. <laughs> it's such a great movie. Um, just the experience of watching Mother the first time, especially, is just like wh- where is this going? Yet I'm just fully entranced by what's happening. Um, watching it a second time, I rewatched it again recently. There are so many great things about Mother, um, but I I really like Javier Bardem and like as much as like the. I, like, I know Jennifer Lawrence is giving a really good performance here, but Javier Bardem is doing some really sneaky stuff, I think, in the supporting re, uh, supporting lead. Um, yeah. that He's got, like, it's uh... damn impressive. Uh, he has, oh, yeah. He has to walk a, a very tricky line as far as kind of being very much on her side and being very much against her throughout the movie. He, he's, like, yeah, it... everything. Like, I mean, it sounds weird and exaggerated to say it, but he is the whole spectrum from in the movie mm-hmm. like he, he's endearing he's sinister he's vain he, like there's all sorts of just different things from him without much of a change like he's always himself pretty much start to fit i mean he does get a little bit uh a little bit uh more sinister through uh, in a in a way but he's kind of himself the whole way but with different it's nuances taken to, or maybe it's you take just, it to different yeah. extremes I was like, yeah, say, yeah, yeah, that yeah sinisterness isn't really like you kind of understand his sinisterness but i will say great sound design in the movie zaki so you know if you if you watch the great sound system you'll be like oh i think that somebody is creaking around behind me in my house <laughs> interesting but, yeah well, um, I mean, the, the movie just goes at one point goes for this just this impressive technical run i mean not just sound just your visuals and just how that, they're pulling yeah. off things it's just like and you're your sensory overload yeah it is a pretty neat it, it almost feels like a single take kind of thing but it's it's not um but it, it's really creative what they do there even though it kind of goes bonkers i mean and and i have to say like i you know i, I i'm a horror fan of stuff and i appreciate all spectrum but like you know a lot of people were wowed by boo a clown but got mad because something was you know punched him in the gut and made him feel disturbed <laughs> which is what horror is you know like that's it's supposed to open that door and yeah. make you see what's behind it. And that's what mother did. Okay. Are there anything on your list that you kind of uh, want to highlight from your 10th or six? I want to, I, I have one, but who, I certainly want to ask you. Everybody, everybody. No, oh. um, yeah. I really love good time. I think good time is a fantastic okay. yeah, like, that's a good like ride through, um, just like after hours, New York, which after hours, by the way, is a movie that you can heavily <laughs> kind of reference when thinking of good time. Good, after, good time is like after hours on acid, literally, I guess, because there's, <laughs> yeah. there's a big plot involving acid. Um, I think Robert Pattinson is fantastic in one of his two great performances this year because he's great in the last right, city, no, yeah. great well, in the last city of Z, which yeah. I, which is my number eleven. I really wish I could have like fit. All, there's so many so like it, it becomes Brandon's worst of the year. Okay, got it. Yeah, it's Brandon's worst of the year. <laughs> yeah. city of Z, number but no, eleven. But First no, loser. Pattinson's great and good. To, it's such a and I've heard I've heard the director uh, and his the director the director in it. The director uh, plays Robert Pattinson. Plays one brother, of the right? one of the two directors and one of okay. one of the directors, um, one of the Safdie brothers plays uh, uh, Robert Pattinson's brother yeah. in the movie. Yeah, and it's also a good performance. Like it's a sol- it's a solid supporting mm-hmm. performance. Um, as far as what he has to do, he has to play kind of a a mentally impaired person and it it works well like it's seeing the relationship there and seeing what's driving Pattinson like he's such a he's playing a bad person but like the 
the means he's what he's fighting for is noble to an extent but the it's something i didn't pick up on that i've noticed in a lot of seen a lot written about a lot since good time and it's more because i was just on the journey the first time but the actions that pattinson's characters take it's largely against like black people like the way he kind of, kind hmm. of he put he uses a lot of people to get where he needs to get and it's generally against minorities and it it's, is, something yeah. I, it's something i didn't really pick up on the first time but like watching it again and just reading of that it's like that is a thing and like i i it's interesting to think of what other layers are going on in the movie that i mean we were just talking about mother as like a sensory overload but good time yeah. very much is a sensory overload as well between the kind of the way they use sound the soundtrack the variety of different actors that everybody from barkat abdi to jennifer jason lee pop up in this movie so oh nice it's, like, it's there's a lot going on yet it's brit it's paced so well like, it just keeps it just moves it's right. it, it gets you going as far as like just seeing like how everything kind of plays out the way it does as far as pattinson kind of improving on the spot to get himself out of a crazy situation like it, it's just really good i really like good time you, a lot cool you know it'd, be, it'd really be something if, if uh the brother's psychiatrist at the beginning would have been black too that would have brought it like full circle yeah i can see at that. that point that's because like, i was looking through all the people because i think the bank teller is black right uh yes yeah yeah and then everything else from there but i mean if they would have started with that psychiatrist that he tells off right at the beginning that would have been even more but it's still there yeah uh, did you guys have any uh, picks? Well, Zach, you have Kong Soul Island in there, so I'll be, you know, you're, you're becoming my hero. <laughs> I, don't know if that's one that, I don't know if that's one Zach wants to highlight. <laughs> he, of course he does. Um, it's on his top ten list of the year. What are you talking about? <laughs> well, you know, I mean, I think I think Kong Skull Island, I, I, I really do. I, I just think it's, you know, for at what it does, it's one of the best movies of that kind. You know, I mean, you can see all the ways where they, they weave in, you know, social commentary and everything else. But above and beyond that, it's just very skillfully a realization of the, the kind of the kind of movie that I would you know watch on syndicated TV like we, Saturday afternoons when I was growing up, you know. And so for me, that that's what I look at Kong Skull Island as. I'm like, this is this is a, a blockbuster version of Saturday afternoon monster movies, and it does it so well. Uh, and it's just so much fun, you know, uh, for, for me, my, my kids who are, you know, now about the age I was back when I loved this stuff, they, they just eat it up. And I'm like, this is, that, this is, you know, they're who it's aimed at, you know, uh, and yet it plays on, on multiple levels. Well, it plays, it, it does play on multiple levels. And I think someone that's, you know, around our age where you have a director that's very clearly influenced by not only kaiju movies, King Kong but also video games and anime and comic books. And that's all in this movie. Like it's packed yeah. with video game references. It's packed with anime, right? You have a whole scene of Tom Hiddleston destroying creatures with a sword that are like multicolored. Right. Like it's, <laughs> it doesn't get more live action anime than that. Since like a Wachowski <laughs> movie, like it's just all right there in front of you. Is it, is, aren't they like all in like pink too, or something like that? I it's, I like, it's, there's, like, there's, there's like, there's a cool like color reference. There's, there's green, there, there's like green scene. toxic yeah. fog in the air because of, like right. some gas canisters blew up. So it just creates this, wild looking scene of color in the midst of right. like a movie that's already pretty orange throughout like and so there's like I, there's a there's a much more mediocre way to approach a movie like this and i was glad that it's a very weird flick like there's a lot of just weird shit they threw at kong skull island and just to make it work to be something different and it feels like that that's why it stuck with me and i'm glad yeah. Yeah. you know yeah. i i really i like the the pulpy sensibility because because for me that was a, you know, I liked uh, 2014 Godzilla. I, I didn't dislike it, but but I, it just felt very 
self-serious to his detriment, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and what I liked about this is it, it, it knows kind of what it's trying to be, which is, hey, you know, this is a movie where giant monsters are thrown down and, and people are running and hiding. I mean, that's like you got you to gotta lean into that a little bit. And I'm glad it did that. The, yeah. and is, the, is Wingard doing the, the matchup? The... Um, Wingard's doing. Yeah, he's doing the matchup because Michael Dorn okay. is doing the next Godzilla. Movie. Godzilla. Because yeah. I feel like he could continue some of that pulpy throwback kind of feel stuff it, it's funny when you when you mention that with with consulate with um kind of self-seriousness as far as godzilla i tend to think of it as like it, it, it uh is the alien to consul island's aliens where you have kind of really mm. Scott oh that's a interesting serious where james cameron's amping up the kind of zaniness in aliens yeah. that's how it is when big, you look you know yeah, when you look godzilla, at it that way that's, like, so. that's pretty uh that's kind of accurate yeah. I, yeah. I, I didn't mind the shift i like i like godzilla quite a bit like i i i like the tone that movie had i understand where its flaws are which is really yeah. largely in the characters that said if you've watched godzilla movies it's not like the characters have ever been amazing <laughs> like but, um, <laughs> hey man that like... plastic wrapped octopus in king Kong versus godzilla from 1950 whatever it was great <laughs> made sense to me um yeah just me too <laughs> hey do you got thor in here I do have Thor in here. And Spider-Man, for that matter. You I got a, big, lot, of, a lot of Marvel going on in this house. I know. There's actually, when I was looking at the list, I was like, what is going on here, Abe? But uh, <laughs> That's what I said to at, myself. <laughs> <laughs> when, when you're looking at it, uh, I remember thinking back to the you know, starting Homecoming, and I was like, this is the best Peter Parker movie ever. <laughs> also, it's also one of the more compelling Marvel villains ever. So I was like, oh, this is uh, something that I really enjoyed going back to and, and watching some scenes from it and just seeing Peter Parker kind of growing or not doing anything. Um, Thor Ragnarok is in here, and I think it, it's it's a fun romp. Like, I, I mentioned on the review that it wasn't, it didn't have Taiki Waititi's um, uh, like emotional feel into it, but it does have Taiki Waititi's stamp of humor on it, and I think that's really what makes it uh, a really fun romp between he and Hulk. Um, I also just liked the visual aesthetic of it um, going into the movie. So Star Wars on here also. The one that I wanted to point out was Star Wars, and that's kind of just like more of like an F you to people who didn't like it. Um, <laughs> you tell just, him, Abe. You tell yeah. Him. <laughs> well, I mean, because Aaron and I, we have like I a mean, lot. Abe, I mean, the three of us didn't list I Star Wars. I think I, it I know, might come up again. You're the one with it so low. <laughs> three people on the podcast here, I was like, I think that we all liked it a lot. So it's more just like, um, it'll have its time in, to shine later. And I remember thinking back to an off-air conversation I had with Aaron and Anna, just like, this is a better movie than people are giving it credit for. And it's it's answering and opening up so many other things that will, again, I think people are going to be like, oh, wow, I'm glad that Force, or I'm sorry, not Force Weeks, The Last Jedi was able to do this for us and make it way better. So that's the one that I wanted to point out. I think the thing to keep in mind is that it... The people that don't like it are not making up a majority, let alone a half. It is a smaller segment of people that have very loud voices. They, they seem to have the loudest voices, though. And they all, the, 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 boos, the boos are always louder than the cheers. That's how it always is. is. I, 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 Aaron and I have like talked repeatedly about like Star about Last Jedi, and one of my my biggest aggravations is that the complaints that have been given have been answered logically within the confines of the series and with and mainly within the confines of the movie itself. Like, Oh, you didn't like, well, this is what it means. And yeah. then people, they can't articulate any beyond that other than, well, it, the movie's just bad. Like it's, I just, it's not what I wanted. Therefore yeah. I'm bad. I can't, yeah, exactly. I can't get anyone's opinion around 
like it wasn't what was in my head it wasn't what a eight minute youtube video told me it wasn't it wasn't because th- things didn't happen because of you know the way they happened before like I don't know. I look forward yeah. to speaking more positively about Star Wars when it comes up inevitably again, I'm assuming. <laughs> um, but as far as that, in that regard, I am more than willing to hear someone out as far as why Me they too. like something. Exactly. Yeah. Just, it'd too. be great to hear logical reasons why. As much as I can explain logical reasons why I like something, it's I'm more than willing to hear the arguments against it. And if anything, it kind of speaks to the culture as far as what's being, how people are responding to something when it comes down to things like fan theories and social media conversations that boil things down to, you know, black or white as opposed to more nuanced answers and what have you, which we're not getting. And it's a shame. I'm not going to say that that the Last Jedi is the reason or whatnot, or like the 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 you know, kind of the the, the 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 climax of how things are going wrong in the world today. But at the same time, it's a giant cultural event. It's a new Star Wars movie, which just that's how things happen to be these days. Yeah. When new Star Wars comes out, it's going to be the center of a lot of conversations, and you see what patterns emerge from that kind of thing. Right. It, it reminds me of a lot of talks of uh, the old man in the sea where people were like, oh, man, you know, the 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 fish that he's fighting is a metaphor for life and struggle and whatever the case. And then they would go ask Ernest Hemingway. And he's like, well, maybe it's just a fucking fish. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. it's one of those things where you're just like, yeah, you can make up whatever you wanted. And that's totally fine. That's that's your opinion. But, uh, you know, sometimes you don't have to shut down maybe Occam's razor or just, you know, uh, any other person's. Uh, review of it just because it didn't fit your need or again like what we mentioned here an eight minute youtube video i mean i'm I'm so glad that snoke went out the way that he did and i was just like good there's no reason to keep him around yeah you know I, the one thing i'll say is is like or dislike the conversation i mean notwithstanding its most toxic versions on on both sides but just you know there there was not a conversation surrounding the force awakens in the same way uh, and I think that's like amazing. You know, my, my uh, review that I posted on Facebook, more than a thousand comments. For for uh, Last Jedi or for Force Awakens? For, 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 for The Last Jedi. Oh, more wow. than a thousand comments. This is bananas, right? Yeah. And and that says something about how passionate people are. And I keep saying, like, think about that first. Isn't that something, like, even if it's inspiring this this extreme negative reaction, look at how you're you're plugging in with this. I mean, how many movies do that to you and that's right. i mean that's that itself is worth stepping back and sort of sort of uh, analyzing yeah. yeah you know who would love that kind of publicity valerian <laughs> <laughs> i i'm not sure if we're going to hear more from valerian again or not um but yeah. i am happy to see it rep- well no as far as these lists right I, now um, yeah. but i am very happy to see it being mentioned it's another one that um <laughs> there's so much joy that comes out of Valerian. Um, it's such a. I had a lot of fun watching such, it. It's such a visual wonder to take in, and I have nothing against the leads. I know a lot of people are kind of down on like the casting of Dane DeHaan and, and Cara Delevingne. I think they work exactly how they're supposed to in this movie. Uh, we talked, me, you, and Mark talked about it in our review, um, yeah. uh, where I Dane DeHaan is in particular. He has this energy to him that's, I think, say, I, I compared to Adam Driver actually from from Star Wars, where mm-hmm. I think they're both very different actors. They're not, they're not as far as kind of white male leads go. They're very different from the kind of average white male leads you get, and I like that. I like seeing say if we're gonna get more of these, <laughs> more of these kind of guys, I'm happy to get ones that are kind of off kilter. And Dane DeHaan, he has this kind of weird 
way of presenting himself, which I see here where he's doing like a Keanu Reeves impression. And I see in like a cure for wellness where it's like, <laughs> I can see on one hand, I can understand someone saying he feels woefully miscast, but on the other hand, it's like, no, that seems like Dane. Yeah. Dane DeHaan's delivering exactly what he's required of him. Like I get it. I, yeah. And like, I'm, he's, I mean, he's, he's great to Caprio clone. <laughs> well, isn't that the compliment of the day? <laughs> I mean, we're still we're still waiting for uh, the other DiCaprio clone to show us what he can do in ha- in uh, Solo, but you know, Han, a Star Wars story, <laughs> right? Yeah, I was gonna say Han, a Star Wars story. <laughs> uh, um, uh, I, I like Valerian a lot, and I and you know, people. It's funny, like original sci-fi properties. Like it, it's bizarre how many people turn their nose up to it right away because it looks strange, different, weird. But man, if if Guardians of the Galaxy doesn't have a Marvel logo or a promise to be attached to these other superhero films with it, its box office looks just like Valerian. Mm, interesting. I agree. Yeah, people are just like, what is this space sci-fi thing that I and and watch? Jupiter Ascending, um, uh, a, a, prob- a problematic true. film, but people yeah. should have checked it out. They were, I mean. No, I see what you're saying. Like, I, I like Valerian more than Jupiter Ascending, but I would agree that if if it was Marvel's Presents Jupiter Ascending, I think that movie would be- benefit a lot better um, than, it, than it did as mm-hmm. on its own. Which is a shame because people are, you know, saying the Wachowski Starship Presents. Starship. Like, that, to me, that feels like enough. Like, they've proven time and time again how great they are as a directing duo, yet here we are where they have to struggle to get things done, and when they do, they're not appreciated. Um because yep. because one Matrix sequel didn't work out. The, yeah, because, Aaron, because, you, you tell them the true, true. Because, because the, the Matrix sequel was the, was the last Jedi of Matrix movies, apparently. So. <laughs> um, I'm not sure if we're going to hear from a ghost story again, so I'd like to hear more from that about Zach, from Zachy. Oh, man. You know, this was one of those movies. I it, it ended, and as soon as the credits come up, I'm like, I think I hated that. And then I walked to my car. And I was The screening was in Berkeley, so it was like a 40-minute drive. And by the time I get home and I walk in, my wife's like, what'd you think? I was like, I think I loved it. So, oh, wow. <laughs> you know, it, it, and to me that, that says something. And I, I, um, I, I watched the, the screener again, just, just recently before doing my thing. And I'm like, man, this, I just, it was, it was transfixing and transporting and it it almost defies you. Uh, to like it so i'm certainly not trying to be like the edgy person who's like oh this movie everyone's gonna hate because i really do think it's one of those movies that that you you you, you need to let it sit with you uh and i i mean i just think it's beautiful you know so anna, no, i agree yeah anna and i watched a ghost story just last night before this recording uh she had, oh, oh wow she had not seen it again yet and uh, i i'd seen it but i you know was happy to watch it again because watch it again um i have the same opinion where i still think it's fine i don't love it but i really like what it's doing and I really would be happy to have responded to it to a greater degree. It just isn't quite getting there for me. That said, <laughs> it's it. I mean, I I see exactly what you're saying as far as like saying you know you hate it versus you know thinking about it later on you love it. Like, I I wish I had you know a similar experience. I certainly didn't hate it when I got out of it, but it it is doing something. It's presenting you with something that you know is obscure and can. It's one of the few films I'd say, you know, is presenting itself as pretentious because I, I think David Lowry is very much in on the fact that, yeah, this is a weird idea that I have. And it's, you know, it's certainly me being an artist and showing off in a way that's, you know, kind of out there. So I he, he wouldn't I don't think he'd mind thinking of the using the term pretentious to describe his own movie because he also, <laughs> you know, there is a layer of humor in there. I think there's very much a 
there's a there's a subtle humor involved just the nature of having you know a, a Casey Affleck covered in a sheet for the whole movie. I, I don't think well, that's, yeah. a, that's how I think people would prefer to see Casey Affleck. In a movie. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, I don't think you make you know a ninety minute movie about a guy in a sheet and not think. Hmm, I wonder if people are going to think that's kind of funny. Like I think you kind of know that going in. <laughs> like, well, especially when he says hello to the neighbors, it's like, oh, that neighbor has uh, designs on the sheet. It's a that's uh, that bit. I think the, is really the movie wonderful. presents itself with a lot of interesting ideas, and that's what it, I liked about it. Uh, you know, the concept of time, right? And what is it? Yeah. You know, what's funny for me is, is I look at it, it's almost like it's like a film school activity where you're like, okay, uh, the, the premise is you're going to do a movie about what happens when somebody dies. And it's like one person goes off and makes ghost like with Patrick Swayze. Mm-hmm. And one person <laughs> yeah. goes off and makes a ghost story. And I love how it's just a variation on a yeah. theme and yet two more different movies you couldn't find, you know? Well, I will say that the trailer is great. And also the song from it is is also great. I really um, like the song. And, and the the ending is very, like, it, it kind of makes me sad too, like in a yeah. happy way. You know, you know just like, it, you know, just the concept of the movie, what happens throughout it, and Casey Affleck gets, he's trying to drive at one thing, he gets to it, and it's just like, I wonder what what that one thing was. So. What I what I kind of like actually the most is after Rooney Mara basically exits the film for a while. That's kind of when after I, eating her pie in real time. That's kind of, yes. That's, oh yeah. That's kind of what I'm. And then really, gladly throwing it up. That's kind of when I'm in the movie. Stress eating. That's when I'm into the movie the most. Like after that, like when, that once it's like okay, now I'm kind of just going on this ride with with ghost with ghosty, and, yeah. I'm, and I'm I'm like the most into that movie at that point. Like I don't think those parts are bad early on. I mean they set up things obviously and what have you, and it's well performed for what it's you know trying to do but it's just yeah. like I, i'm less into what's being told to me versus once we get to this like so what else is happening in this house like that's that kind of it, it, it brings me in more yeah that stuff is pretty neat and again uh when it goes crazier it's just like hmm i i can see where this is happening because that's kind of the reasons why i started liking interstellar much more just understanding the questions that i was asking uh, and this one asked some good questions too although uh, i see what you mean by the pretentiousness but still i kind of just disregarded that because i like the the four by three aspect ratio and um kind of what they were doing with the sheet even though it was, it's funny it's just more of oh well i i'm lukewarm on it i just uh, i mean and I, would, I would watch it again that's kind of what i said in the review as well word, i mean the word just pretentious i i tend to disregard as well it's not one i like using but i do think it yeah. does apply every now and, i mean all art is pretentious i mean anyone anyone saying hey i spent a bunch of money on this movie look at it now that's pretension i mean that's that's what that is um <laughs> <laughs> i mean sometimes they really dig pretentious stuff like i i yeah. love that it gets yeah, you know who they, you know who the majority of American thinks is pretentious? Ryan Johnson. How dare he <laughs> take this property and make his own movie out of it? It's like, well, I mean, I don't know. you could you could look at like Wes Anderson movies as all pretentious, and I love those. I love Wes Anderson movies. Yeah, oh. I know what you mean. I should note this is the first list I think where everybody here, or at least in some form, has seen every one of my movies that's on my list for the first time in a while. <laughs> Every year, I get like one or two movies that I think are fantastic that you motherfuckers don't even like look at, like until like years <laughs> later, if not You're at like, all. Hey, watch Ida. It's eighty-eight minutes, and I, I still haven't seen it. Ida's great. The Fits from last year is great. It's like seventy-five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Seeking a friend for the end of the world is great. You no, sent like, you sent me Mudbound so I would watch it. Yeah, I mean, there's so, so many movies. <laughs> this is the first list where I'm like, everybody's seen these, so I'm actually happy with it. even Good Time has been seen by most of you. So it's like okay mm-hmm. um, all right 
right. <laughs> let's uh let's move on now. We're gonna get to before we get to kind of the remaining half of our list, uh, we're gonna go over some lists from our friends of the show here. Uh, we we you know we have a lot of guests on the show, including Brandon and Zachy, on this very podcast right now. But we also have a lot of other friends of the show that yeah. that, that like to submit their own you know top 10 lists on the very publications they write for just in general and some or if we ask them they're kind enough to to send it to us and that's that's also fantastic which 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 leads us to the the first uh portion of this uh, part of this portion of the episode um i recorded a segment with uh my lovely girlfriend miss anna bosch and so let's let's cut to that right now all right i'm joined here now by the lovely anna bosch hello hi (laughs) how are you i actually am doing well i'm doing much better since October. Well, good because there were some some of the, our <laughs> guests and listeners and Abe were all concerned for your health. So. Oh, yeah. Well, thank you. Well, let's get to the top ten. Uh, you've had a, you have a top ten film list assembled, correct? Yes, because you had me put it together. Because I thought it'd be fun and you wanted to. Because <laughs> you're so sweet. I told you I don't think I could make a top ten for the past year because now it's 2018. So happy New Year. Happy yeah, yes. But um. I didn't think I really watched that many movies to make a top 10. And then here you are during I was at work. I get a nice message from you that has all the films that we've seen together. Which is like a good 50 films. Yes. That was then, too. You caught up with like at least four more films since then, too. Mm-hmm. Which is probably the last films I've seen ever. Oh, yeah, because of the lack of some of the festival viewings that you tend to do. Right. Because yeah. what is it, like anywhere from 200 to 300 plus these ones? But I think it was really nice that you did that for me, so thank you. Well, you're welcome. You sent me that list, and it helped. So I got the list in front of me. Okay. What what do we have here? (laughs) So 10 is The Wall, 9, Cars 3, 8, Baby Driver, 7, War for the Planet of the Apes, 6, The Case for Christ, 5, Wonderstruck, 4, The Breadwinner, Three, Star Wars colon, The Last Jedi. Thank you. <laughs> Two, Coco. And my number one film of 2017 is Dunkirk. All right. Well, why don't you talk about Dunkirk a little bit? Dunkirk. So I think everyone knows it's a World II movie. And you know that I, I really enjoy World II. Mm-hmm. Like, that's my favorite time period in history. And that's my, I like military films. And that's like, my go-to is watching World II type films. Mm-hmm. And I think Christopher Nolan has made a mosaic, visceral, cin- cinematic success. Yeah. That's how I would describe that film. It's great. I love the opening with those German papers mm-hmm. just coming down. That's a great, great shot. Mm-hmm. There's other great shots, of course, of like the Spitfires mm-hmm. and the German planes, the aerial view shots, the guys in the mole. You get, like, three movies in one. It's basically like a trilogy, right? <laughs> you get <laughs> the land, air, and sea. Mm-hmm. So, like, it's pretty neat. It's a clever way of narratively putting something together. And, of course, it may feel like you have to fill in some things here and there, but I don't. I didn't see it that way for myself. I really enjoyed it. And what was neat is that they actually used the Spitfires, mm-hmm. some original ones, for the movie and neat too is how they use the IMAX camera and they put it on the the wings mm-hmm. which is crazy yeah but yeah like I said the overhead shots of the soldiers scattered across the beach there's really great shots in this home this whole movie I really liked it if anyone hasn't seen it I'd recommend it even in the new year 
I think it's a great film. I think that's what it, I was trying to think about. What was like the maybe the missing hole for a lot of people because of the the way it's structured. But you've been bringing up a lot that the other movie, Churchill. Yeah, The Darkest Hour. That's a good accompany piece with this movie because this movie kind of stays away from like Churchill. It's more of the action, mm-hmm. and which is fine. I think it did fantastic with that that being the storytelling. But if you do watch The Darkest Hour, you get the other side of it, the more the politics of him, mm-hmm. and then um, coming up with the uh, Operation Dynamo. Operation Di- Dynamo, yes. So, and I know you discussed it before too. I think it was like on your your list of like yeah. movie moments. Of course, of Tom Hardy flying with, coming in, mm-hmm. doing some victory, right? And then he just gliding across the sky. And it was beautiful because we got to see it in IMAX. Mm-hmm. And just seeing that was just like fantastic. And it's like one of those endings where it's like, it's a victory, like a hoorah moment. But then when he gets captured, you're like, you know, the battle's not over yet. It's like, it's a great that these guys got saved. But of course, that wasn't the end of the battle. Yeah, so it's my top film. Definitely is. And I know even before seeing it, I was getting pumped because of all those little clip and trailers that they had <laughs> coming out. I don't think I have anything else to say. It's just, it's a great film. I don't want to take too much time because you know I could talk about it more in depth, which you I think you have. So, Dunkirk. Well, great. Thank you very much. <laughs> You're welcome. Thank you for having me. <laughs> oh, that was great. Yeah. Thank you for that, Anna. Of course. I'm always happy to hear from Anna. I was happy to Are you guys still going to be together after her it pick for number one? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was problematic, but they're going to weather that storm with Georgie SS. But no, happy to, happy to have Anna record uh, with me to get you know get her top ten in there. I was I was really happy to get her to do that. That was uh, it's always fun to put these yeah. lists together. Uh, but now we're going to get to uh, other friends of the show, and we're just kind of kind of read through some lists. Here we go. First friend of the show, Michael Lee, writes uh, his top ten is in, I guess this is in order, right? It's all in order. I just put one at the yep. end so you can okay. see. Okay, cool. So he's got Wonder Woman, Star Wars, The Big Sick, It, Baby Driver, Coco, The Post, Lady Bird, The Shape of Water, and his number one is Get Out. And then friend of the show, Scott Mendelson. He does his, his list. 10. He does his in alphabetical. And then he does Actually, his, his, yeah, his is alphabetical, but he does he... Did, did he? Uh, he has a number one. He has a but, number one. The number one's at the right. End. But his are his are a little bit more uh, ambiguous, I guess. They're full. They're free floating top ten, uh, except for number one. So he's got the Big Sick, Dunkirk, the Florida Project, I Tanya, Lady Bird, Mother, Only the Brave, The Post, The Shape of Water, Star Wars, Wonder Woman, and his number one is Get Out. And friend of the show, Jim Dietz, The Voice, his top ten, Thelma, Super Dark Times, The Lego Batman Movie. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, Dunkirk, The Void, Valerian, Get Out, Logan, Blade Runner, The Shape of Water, and his number one is Star Wars. Now we have a friend of the show, Marcus Robinson. He has his number 10, Columbus, then Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, Wind River, Star Wars The Last Jedi, The Big Sick, Lady Macbeth, Accidental Courtesy, Daryl Davis, Race in America, I, Tanya, Detroit, and number one, Get Out. Uh, next, we have Jason Coleman. He has bad a bad day for the cut, the Transfiguration, David Lynch colon the Art Life, Logan, the Shape of Water, Catfight, Burden, Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri, Brigsby Bear, and his number one, The Lure. Brad Oman has Logan, 
The Disaster Artist, Brigsby Bear, The Shape of Water, Star Wars, The Post, Call Me By Your Name, The Big Sick, The Florida Project, and his number one, Get Out. And Mark Hoban, who I really wish we could have got here today. Sorry, apologies again. He has his Miss num- you, Mark. number 10, Patty Cakes, Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets, Blade Runner 2049, Good Time, Baby Driver, The Florida Project, Get Out, Coco, Lady Bird, and his number one, The Big Sick. Yeah, and then we move to the editor of Why So Blue, Brian White. He has I, Tanya, Ingrid Goes West, American Maid, Mother, Split, Logan, Get Out, The Shape of Water, One Roman, and his number one is Baby Driver. Uh, Bron Anderson has Free Fire, The Big Sick, Logan, Get Out, Thor Ragnarok, Gifted, Blade Runner, Star Wars, Baby Driver, and then his number one is The Shape of Water. And Philip Vandy Price has uh, Gaga, Five Foot Two, Wonder, Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri, A Ghost Story, Dunkirk, Gardens of the Galaxy Volume 2, I, Tanya, Blade Runner, Gifted, and his number one is Get Out. Now we get to our next uh, set here. Jordan Rath from Rath's Reviews has Kingsman, Cole in the Golden Circle, Blade Runner 2049, War for the Planet of the Apes, Get Out, Patriot's Day, Wonder Woman, It, Dunkirk, Logan, and his number one, Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. Jimmy O, he has Brigsby Bear, Call Me By Your Name, War for the Planet of the Apes, Madi, Brawl in Cell Block 99, Wonder Woman, It, Logan, Three Billboards, and his number one, The Shape of Water. And lastly, Alan Aguilera, he has The Disaster Artist, I, Tanya, Star Wars The Last Jedi, Logan, Lady Bird, John Wick Chapter 2, Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri, The Post, Dunkirk, and Coco is his number one film of the year. That's a lot of variety in in the lists uh, from our friends of the show here. For sure. Right? I, 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 think, I think the top four or five are, are uh, kind of run more parallel, but the the tenth or sixth there... Well, that's a lot of that's a lot of different names that they that were being called. There's a number of things that flow in there. I really like seeing Brigsby Bear a couple times. So I'm a big fan. I, I yeah. Um, I like people shouting out Wonder Woman. Let's see. I, I saw uh, Philip has Gifted in there. I know Gifted is a a favorite among a few people. Um, yeah. That's a film that I like quite a bit. Um, and of course, Mark has Patty Cakes. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> which I didn't see. Is it worth watching? I have seen. It's fine. <laughs> like okay. I know Mark loves it, and I know he'll tell you much more. <laughs> I, I, it's, yeah. it's not bad. I, I, I okay. think it, it hits every single cliche you know from this kind of story, which I think he even notes in his review. Um, okay. But I mean, it, the the film does have heart. That's for sure. Yeah. Got it. All right. So now that we've gone that through that, uh, what we're going to do here, guys, is we're going to go through our, our five through two, but we're going to do it one by one at this point. So we're each going to go five and we'll each one by one kind of say what that is, and we'll go over those, and then we'll carry forward. Let's uh, do it. Uh, so, Zachy, once again, let's start with you. What's your number five? Blade Runner 2049. And if you want to go into it a little bit, you can. Uh, th- not not what I was expecting, Uh you know, I, I when I heard how long it was, I felt like that was a miscalculation. I'm still not 100% sure that uh, the length worked in his favor necessarily. But, uh, you know, this is three years in a row where uh, Denis Villeneuve made a movie and 
it made it to my top 10 list. I mean, I, I think for me, he's one of those few directors who I pretty much know going in, it's going to be meaningful and and visually stunning, but also emotionally and, and intellectually stimulating. I um, I was... It's weird to say that I, it's better than I expected, because I pointed this out before, where it's, it's weird that I have to think Denny Villeneuve, Roger Deakins, Ryan Gosling, and Harrison <laughs> Ford are making a sci-fi film together, and I wouldn't think, well, that's got to be amazing. But for some reason, that was kind of my 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 frame of mind. We're like, yeah, well, it's a Blade Runner sequel. <laughs> like, what? How much can I really get out of this? And yeah, I was yeah. I was very impressed by what they came up with, where it did ex- it didn't just repeat and kind of repackage the old story with kind of a new 2017 sheen. It came mm-hmm. up with some new ideas. It developed things further than they were. Um, yeah. And I, I very much admired that. I think it's a, it's a, it's a great looking movie for sure. Thanks to, you know, Deacons and the very creative visual effects and just the work from everybody involved to make that right. world come alive again, no matter how dreary and, it might be. But, um, yeah. And, and one of the more touching uh, AI love stories since uh, her. Huh. Yeah. I guess so. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's got a visually amazing that that sex scene is like just awesome. Like that's something like really cool in an era where, you know, it takes a lot to get us like wowed by computer effects and stuff like that. That was a pretty big achievement to me was watching just how that turned out visually. And and in terms of the visual aspects or the the special effects in the movie itself, I mean, everything looked really, really good. I mean, um, I couldn't really tell how much of it was in camera versus I, I could obviously tell the, the CGI stuff, but uh, I think that Denny and, and team do a really good job of doing, I, I think maybe as many in camera effects as possible. I think you'd be surprised if you go back, if you see the, I mean, it, I know there's actually a couple like YouTube videos that kind of show the layers of effects and whatnot, but there's, mm. I mean, there's all wow. surprising okay. stuff as far as, yeah, they show like the before and after, like the kind of the progression of the effects and how much is yeah. practically done. And I, I, there's there's a lot there that I think is really neat to see how much they try you know in the realm of possibility tried to make work in camera which is always yeah. very impressive. So are the effects. I mean, this shouldn't take away from the kind of thousands of hours that I'm sure many people put into visual effects oh, yeah, of just because it's yeah. not tangible. But I, I mean, it is impressive right. to see kind of what that kind of collaboration can bring when you put so much stuff together. Yeah. Now, yeah. Star Wars Rogue One paved the way for no one to complain about Sean Young. So. <laughs> Thank you, Star Wars Rogue One. Well, it was a mix of Star Wars Rogue One and Jared Leto just being himself. I think that really took away the conversation. Yeah, I I have Blade Runner on my list, and I think it's gonna climb. It's just like the original Blade Runner. Like I was, I don't know. Like I was just taken aback and like in awe of it. I've only seen it one time. Ditto. Uh, Ditto. Like a yeah, yeah, a three-hour movie. It takes a lot to get me back to the theater to see. It's it's hard, but uh, it's one that I'm gonna study a lot and probably get more from each time and just start enjoying it even yeah. more and dissecting and pulling different things like i still have so much fun with that original movie uh, and i've seen it a jillion times pulling different reads on it finding different things and you know we had that commentary this year was like the fourth or fifth time i'd watched it this year even um granted i got the 4k to review and i watched it a bunch on that mm-hmm. but in just talking with you and yancey and jim aaron about it another fun experience so i hope i can have that kind of a future with this one too where we do nice. our epic three-hour blade runner 2049 commentary track. that's right no it's gonna be a whole day it's gonna be blade runner and blade runner 2049 we'll, we'll do a second a commentary track plus the the new movie that makes sense yeah Brandon. hey ridley scott's wanting to make movies that uh other people don't want to fund so hey <laughs> well brandon what's your what's your number five pick uh my number five pick which probably could easily be maybe my 
favorite of the year and that I'm always going to watch is Star Wars The Last Jedi. Okay. Yep. Uh, nice. It's back again! What? Uh, this list, Star Wars, yeah. I guess discredit my whole list because I picked Star Wars The Last Jedi <laughs> within the top five. But no, I, I couldn't believe the back... Like, I was sitting through this movie enjoying seeing Star Wars, like, turned upon its head a bit and the opening sequence is incredible. It's like, you know... It, Scroll finishes. You want to put up, you know, best of following the scroll. I mean, this one might. It could be the climax know. of other uh, movies. Like that's yeah. <laughs> and then and then the the final hour hour, fifteen minutes of this movie is like some of the most thrilling edge of your seat Star Wars. Like I don't know that I've been like gripping a seat with a Star Wars movie as much I as I was with this one in the theater. Like just watching it all unfold, all this like unexpected things, big battles, just wasn't stopping i wasn't carrying it it didn't feel bloated to me like if someone wants to complain about the, the length or so much happening it might be valid for some i don't agree but uh for some people it might but i i loved what johnson brought i've read if i highly recommend if you like the movie um or maybe you didn't uh read the art of the last jedi where you really get a little bit more into the mind of ryan johnson and the people who worked on this film and see that they really really understand star wars and I, they bring more to it than just like Abrams brought in like, hey, what was um, Macquarie? Let's all think Macquarie, Macquarie, Macquarie. This, these people have that, but they go beyond it. They're like, you know, Star Wars was influenced by like World War II and Vietnam. So they would go, this team would go when they came out of ideas, reaching for their, uh, and among other places, like sa like old samurai movies and stuff like that. And it really shows and it really fits the universe. I, I very much want that art book. That is something that I very much desire right now. Um, mm -hmm. And you, you spoke of the length, Zach. You just mentioned Blade Runner twenty forty nine's length. Right. Yeah. When I when I heard that length, I was like, Yeah, that's that's gonna be a long one. When I heard Star Wars is gonna be the longest Star Wars ever, I'm like, Oh my god, I cannot wait for this Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I, 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 I am prepared for all of this. <laughs> well, and, and another funny thing um, with Star Wars and Blade Runner's connection, Ray Ray's journey and and Ryan Gosling's journey and Blade Runner pretty much come with a, a similar d familial reveal of our hero's quest that they yeah. feel that they're a yeah. part of something. And, and nobody complaining about Blade Runner, but, oh, man, it happened to Ray, and it's just the end of the world. Um, but that's because and no one watched Blade Runner. That's, why nobody <laughs> right, that's true. <laughs> and, and Harrison true. Ford didn't, you know, float away into nothingness at the end of the movie. So. Right. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, but Harrison Ford was not their fathers. Uh, they both, you know. Uh, but yeah, like I love that reveal because the whole time between in this two years while people are trying to find her connection, I'm like, please let her just be herself. Please yeah. let her just be herself. Why do we have? And they delivered on stuff that I guess me and a minority on my demands and wants from things in Star Wars to be original, to be new, new things, to be new things came true i guess was a nightmare for some people that they'll learn to accept this movie's got a time is going to be kind they don't a lot of people it's you know downer stuff because they don't know how it concludes many people didn't pick empire as their favorite film until you know years later when you have you know jedi comes next mm -hmm. so that's a comfort zone with empire it doesn't have that being cliffhanger anymore but it, and it's funny it's been fun to research uh, reviews and stuff of Empire at the time reflecting how people feel about Last Jedi. I, I would have I would have liked to have read some of those in real time and just been like, oh man, I can't believe that uh, Darth Vader is Luke's father. Where did that? No, how is so, that going to happen? 
1980, people, people and up till Je- up till yeah. Return of the Jedi, they said Darth Vader's lying. You know what people are saying now? Kylo Ren's lying. Guess what? I hope he's not. <laughs> yep. Well, anyway, uh, I, I'm sure we'll hear a bit more about Star Wars coming up. Abe, what is your number five? My number five is Get Out. We've talked about it before. It is a very comp or concise, tight film with so much packed into it that you, you can't help but think to yourself, I've got laughs out of this. I've gotten chills out of this. I've been in situations like this. And I think that the acting from everybody is fantastic. I mean, the cold open with... Uh, with um, uh, yeah, the Keith Stanfield freaked me out even though it was funny it was just like oh wow this is uh this is kind of it can happen <laughs> and it's just like you know it, it's kind of a spooky thing also I, I really liked it for again the nuance of it right you know after the movie i immediately went to go check out the message boards and whatever else just to figure out what people were saying about it um and because i had questions right i had questions of well what is this scene like what's up with that and sir can i see your license please wait why yeah, I have state ID. No, no, no. He wasn't driving. I didn't ask who was driving. I asked to see his ID. Yeah, why? That doesn't make any sense. Here. You don't have to give him your ID because you haven't done anything wrong. Maybe, baby, it's okay. Come on. Anytime there is an incident, we have every right to That's ask. Cool. Ma'am, the... Everything all right, Ryan? Yeah, I'm good. that headlight fixed and that mirror thank you officer the more that i, I read it and the more that i rewatched it i was just like this is this is really really uh, well done writing and also its execution is really well done i think um something a compliment you don't get doesn't get paid much to movies um often but i think is very worth um putting a highlight on is uh, movies that will get taught in classes in years to come Mm. And I think huh. Get Get Out is very much one of those movies of this year that'll get taught in classes. I... It's it's Aaron. It's very funny you say that because I purchased it digitally just earlier today, and my wife was like, "Why'd you buy Get Out?" And I was like, "Oh, I'm going to be showing it in my cultural expression class starting tomorrow." <laughs> oh, there you so, go. This is well, my you know, points proven. Podcast <laughs> over. Thanks for listening. <laughs> Catch the rest online. <laughs> has any as any movie like what movies have hit pop culture big time with like phrases stuff? Has Get Out been like the biggest of this year? I mean, with people if this year, like that's really co- like because people use Sunken Place all the time. And it shows up like the get out challenge, which is running at the your get out challenge. The, the guy with the the, uh, the one dude with the hat, the straw hat and stuff right. like, I mean, that's really I feel like this movie is like affected pop culture. Well, you know, it's not that they, you know, I don't know. I don't think it finished in the top 10 earners or anything like that, but it's it's impact. It finished high because it, it came yeah. out in February. So it's yeah. hit home video and been on home video like for streaming DVD Blu-ray for most of the year, too. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 I mean, for a movie that costs like five million bucks to make, I mean, yeah, it's it's done more more than enough making what two fifty four worldwide. Yeah, that's 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 huge. But it's also yeah. more mm-hmm. than that. It's a zeitgeist film. I mean, there's yeah. there's several zeitgeist films that came. Or there's only a few zeitgeist capturing films that came out this year. One's Get Out. Another's Wonder Woman. And now it's Star Wars. Easily. I mean, regardless yeah. of what you think of these movies, they're the movies that captured the you know the world's attention for a variety of reasons. And I mean, Get Out, I would argue, is the most important of those because it's attacking real issues, um, things that. I mean, we're we're talking about Sunken Place. We're not going now. That was a city of a thousand planets. (laughs) 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 When when uh, when Daniel Kaluuya is like, 
Rose, give me the keys. You know, I can still remember how I felt like my chest was just clenching up. And I, it's hard for me to think of a filmmaker better positioning a film where you and the audience can, can at the moment the, the protagonist is at his most uh, uh, put upon, you feel exactly what he's feeling. And I think it's an extraordinary feat, especially coming really out of nowhere, because, I mean, everyone knows Jordan Peele is talented. I don't think anybody had an awareness of just how talented he was in so many different directions. For sure. Yeah. I think that's why I say, like, and you, I mean, you've proved my point that I think it's a film that can be taught because it's such a precise film. It's not yeah. just it's not yeah. just about like, look at this, you know, this high concept idea of like a, a black man meets the white parents of his girlfriend. It, it takes it beyond that. It addresses racial relations, but it also has so much cleverness as far as everything going on from a visual standpoint, an auditory standpoint, uh, the placement of actors, the placement of various yeah. black and white objects. Uh, I mean, there's, huh. there's, right. there's exactly. so much there that you catch, you know, I, I, on repeat viewings, yeah, on repeat yeah. viewings it's, it so benefits it from just seeing how layered the film is beyond just what the story is going to be or what the twists are seeing, you know, what kind of, how deep this, how deep the sunken place really goes. I mean, it, it really, right. it really works. We, we also mentioned that it's part of the zeitgeist. And what I liked a lot was the, the, the questions of, well, is get out a comedy. And I liked how Jordan Peele just straight up said, it's a documentary. And I don't think huh. that he was joking at all. No. Like, huh. it, yeah. It's one of those things where it's like, no, this is it. Whatever the, the, you know, the golden globes, what is it? The, what's the folks that, that vote on them? The international, the or, HFP, the Hollywood or, yeah, press. Or, Hollywood Foreign Press is like, whatever you guys think that it is, that's not what it is. And that's kind of just kind of dismissing it in a way that it shouldn't be dismissed because that's the thing. I don't I don't mind that it's called a comedy. That doesn't bother me because there's a lot of humorous elements in it. And I can definitely grant that. But I think that there's just I I don't I I don't know if I would necessarily categorize it in comedy. And I'm not talking about the Holland Foreign Press. Just whenever somebody asks me about the movie, like what it's about, I'd say. Yeah, you know, it's a horror movie with some laughs in it. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't call it a drama either. I mean, there's no, there's no reason to label it as a genre necessarily. But I do, I understand. I what, gotcha. Beyond just the chances of making it win, I do understand the using a comedy as the way to place it because it doesn't. I don't think it doesn't fit. I don't think it. I don't think it doesn't fit there either. It's a satire, and yeah. comedy doesn't just mean Three Stooges. Comedy means a variety of things. Look at Fargo. Yeah. Best winner for comedy. I mean, like, it's, like, hey man, look at the Doc cast is great. Doctor Strangelove ends with the world dying, but it's a comedy. Right. I mean, it's there, there. There's lots of uses of that word, and I think it's more of people's viewpoint of the term comedy over what the movie's actually doing that matters. And I don't think comedy is a dismissive term. I, th I mean, some of you have the big sick on your list, and it's hilarious, but it's also incredibly poignant, touching, and emotional. I mean, drama. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's when we start amalgamating these these genres. Well, that's why I like the Oscars for having best picture. That makes sense to me. I don't need right. a best, I don't need necessarily need a best comedy category. I can understand that for the sake of hey, these movies can get attention finally. But I'd rather just right. see people wake the hell up and say, hey, we can see all kinds of movies. We don't have to label them necessarily. Right. Well, Aaron, what is your number five? My number five, speaking of comedy, is Detroit, obviously. Um, it is a hilarious movie. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, speaking of uh, the exact same things we're talking about with Get Out, I think Detroit is a fantastic film putting fully on display racial, t racial tension. I think it's incredibly effective in the way Catherine Bigelow and Mark Bullock designed this film. I love the way it starts out with such a broad way of handling things in terms of showing 
how how Detroit became this kind of hotbed of, of tension uh, by going way back to the Great Migration, showing kind of how black 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 relations in America have kind of forwarded and not forwarded, then then kind of you know really uh, singling it out singling it down to one event with the Algiers Motel and showing that horrific situation. And then, you know, kind of putting it back out again by getting to this court case where you see that justice is, it's not coming anytime soon, which is a horrible thing to take away, uh, regardless of the hope that's also involved there. But in all of this, as much as I like Get Out, and I like it quite a bit, I like Detroit just a bit more because it's not, it doesn't have to hide behind a genre to make its point. I, I think the fact that it's so scary and brutal and visceral makes it all the more affecting because it's not, it's, we talked about this at length on our podcast day, me, you, and, uh, and, uh, and Marcus Mike, and Mar- Marcus and Mike, uh, yeah. we had a very long discussion, which had all of us at odds with each other because we had yeah. varying, varying opinions on this movie. I think it was a half and half, yeah. pretty much, yeah. Um, and uh, it's Marcus on Marcus's top ten list, it's on my top ten list. I think it's yeah. incredibly effective for all the reasons I just said, but also because I mean, we were just talking about kind of labeling genres. Detroit is very much a horror movie as well at times. I mean, it's it is yeah. uh, it presents yeah. a situation mm-hmm. that does not blink. Alice, uh-huh. no. Sometimes when a black guy is put in a position of authority, other black guys, they like to single you out, okay? Because I'm not supposed to tell them what to do. When we have these conversations, we do them in stages, okay? Stage one, witnesses. Stage two, suspects. What stage are we in? You don't know what stage we're in? No, could you specify for me? Yeah, we're in stage two. You're a suspect. It does not flinch. It does not make it easy. It does not kind of take any easy ways out. It shows you exactly, to the best degree it can, because it very much is almost a docudrama, it shows you exactly how something was and how horrible it was. And it's it doesn't you know it doesn't need some high concept and it doesn't kind of take cheap shots at people that you generally see getting just you know beaten this way or even see you, it's kind of the winners come out of this in the way you expect it shows you right. the exact horrific brutal truth of what happens and it doesn't just happen to kind of women that get raped and then men come to save them it happens to men as well <laughs> where black men that get just just put into horrible situations as well as these right. women that are also involved in this movie doesn't shy yeah. away from it puts it all right there in front of you I and everybody's I, great in it you know all every, the actors are great in it all the, actors the, are great in it. the filmmaking is is very 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 good um I, will I, poulter by the way mm-hmm. scariest man alive right now he's like if he was gonna oh, play yeah. <laughs> he, he was gonna play pennywise right and mm-hmm. it's like yeah i can see why they they chose him and incredibly but, tall on and i met him at the detroit like uh are we, are we talking thing. six five He's pretty. He's pretty tall. He's high up there. Wow. <laughs> like I just found out that uh, what's his name, Timothy Chalamet from Call Me by Your Name. He's six yeah, one. That guy looks tall. Yeah. He's six one. But mm. but he but he's next to Army Hammer throughout that movie. And Army Hammer. Army like, Hammer is six five. I know. So it's like, wow, he really is tall because Army Hammer towers over this guy. Like it's just right. how tall some people are. <laughs> but... Notice they never had. They never had. Uh, uh, what's his face? Uh, Michael Stuhlbarg said next to Army Hammer. He's always sitting or something like that. Well, it's also I guess I didn't think of. Um, Sir Sharonan and Lady Bird because because they're like pretty much standing next to it because she's also really tall. So everybody's tall. These so I guess Laura Metcalf is tall. I, this is, we've gotten on a tangent about a height. We have, regardless. Detroit's great. I, I think Detroit's a fantastic it, it, movie. It's probably one of the, be- the one of the best like overlooked films of the year because it's one of the. I mean, it's the direction on it's excellent. Like Bigelow's terrific. The, I mean, the camera work through everything with the docu feel the. I mean, how is this movie just kind of came and went? 
yeah, it's, it's kind of it's very disappointing. <laughs> and well, like I, I really admired the gamble that Annapurna Pictures made to release this movie in August, and I. While I took it off of my summer gamble wisely, I I still I had a sneaking suspicion early. I was like, well, what if this breaks out? And I had it in there for a long time because I'm thinking, okay, Get Out's really popular. This is a movie from the director of Zero Dark Thirty, handling a very it was topical in August issue too, yeah. in August, where you know there's not yeah. much competition because the Dark Tower wasn't about to blow off any you know doors, and it didn't because it sucks. Um, it's, you know, <laughs> hey thought, man, you just know it got paid. I, that's right, he did. But I thought, okay, Detroit could be. Like that could be something huge, and for some reason, between Detroit, The Dark Tower, and Kidnap, it was the it was the least performing movie of that bunch, which is a shame. Mm-hmm. It is, it, I think it it has so much going for it, and it was overlooked. But even then, the people that didn't overlook it, the people that did not overlook the film, it became embroiled in its own kind of controversy, where people asked all the wrong questions, in my opinion, of like, why is Catherine Bigelow directing? It's like, who cares who's directing this movie? Why, why are we talking about the movie? And that's, that's what was bothering me. We're losing that conversation. And if you, there's yeah. a lot of things you don't necessarily have to like about Detroit, but I do think the best thing it does is inspire a conversation to happen. I mean, it, it like I was almost like sweating watching so many scenes in the movie with how brutal and, and honest it gets with it. And then you almost want to punch a wall after you see you know the, the end result <laughs> of it. Even though this is historical stuff, I mean, it really gets you in that that mood, and it's sad how still relevant this movie can be today. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. And one thing I did like outside of it, I love that this movie, the marketing showed a lot of John Boyega, Boyega and Anthony Mackie, who aren't like major factors in the film, but I think it's cool that we're marketing like movies off of both of them now because I've always liked John Boyega, mm-hmm. and. And, but yeah, the Polter guy, man, he, if this movie had been a big hit, he'd never play a protagonist for many, many, <laughs> many years. <laughs> Again, he's, he's, yeah, he's vicious. All right. All right. Let me calm down. For, let me, let me calm down a second. All right. Zachy, what's your number four film of the year? Um, yeah. Number four for me. Sorry about that. Was uh, war for the planet of the apes. Ah, yes. You want to go into it a little bit? Uh, yeah, so once again, we have uh, smart science fiction uh, uh, getting sort of passed over by audiences this year. This is another one that, uh, I, I don't know, I mean, you guys may know this or may not, but I'm like Planet of the Apes fanboy number one. The, the original Apes is my favorite movie of all time um, I did not ever. Know that. So, <laughs> okay. well, wow. Yeah, so, so you know, I've, I have adored uh, the Apes franchise all my life just about, and so... Uh, seeing these films really come together in a way that, uh, you know, highlights uh, the, 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 you know, the social commentary aspect of it, but also really approaches it intelligently. And I mean, Matt Reeves is somebody who, above and beyond just being a really talented director, he's a huge Apes fan. And you can really tell in the very subtle ways that um, both of his films in, in this trilogy um you know, acknowledge the the greater history, the the, the greater context, um, and plus, I mean, it's just it's it's this uh, groundbreaking performance from Andy Serkis across all three movies that uh, is closed out at the end of this film, you know, without revealing anything. But you get this this fully realized character who should not work except for this amazing union. Of, of performance and performance capture and and digital technology and you and you have a a trilogy that simply could not have existed 
10 years ago or 20 years ago and um and it's it's amazing i think could you imagine andy circus doing this 10 years ago and wearing a mask like just kind of doing, right. <laughs> doing his thing. he's like oh he's good i guess but uh <laughs> right Actually, ten years ago, it just looked like King Kong, which is not bad at all. So there, never mind. Shut up, Zach. You're wrong. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, 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 I think. I mean, I think even even King Kong, uh, that, that there were still. I mean, I think. I think, you know, the 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 pathos that uh, Circus was able to give Caesar was not necessarily even possible in in a character like Kong, who's still required to be more of an animal. No, I can I can get that behind that for sure. And I was I was going to say. I've um I've seen this movie three times at this point on, and I've each watched this movie three times. It's on her top ten list. It's not quite on mine, but I do like it a lot more um, than when I initially saw it. Um, I think it's it certainly grown on me for the things that it is doing really well. I had some issues with it, um, and I really like Dawn a bit more. I think it kind of. I think I think Dawn's a better movie. I, I agree. Yeah, I think Dawn. It's a little more. It's a little more playful um, with its tone, um, mm-hmm. as far as kind of exploring its themes, but also giving you a kind of a fun time at the movies where I think War of the Planet of the Apes, as much as I don't necessarily need it to be like this, you know, a soup, like a super fun blockbuster, it gets pretty damn dark. It's pretty, <laughs> it's pretty dark. Yeah. Yeah, John's more balanced with, with that stuff, yeah. I think but it is I, in between Rise and, and War, so the tone's kind of shifting in Dawn, I guess. For, for I, sure. I do also like how, how uh, Aaron has pointed out many times that the titles are Maybe they should be reversed. Well, a yeah, bit. I, I think the first one should be called Dawn, the second one should be called War, and the last one should be called Rise of the Planet of the Apes. It makes more sense. <laughs> right. like, all of those make more sense than what they are. But there we are. Yeah, I, I like in that movie. I, I love that the, uh, the the quote unquote fan service or connective tissue that the, that they throw out there is really in service of the story and not like nod wink 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 stuff. Where yeah. That, yeah, a lot of things you, you know, get trapped up. In in the first one, it's very kind of hits you over the head, yeah, and for me, yeah. it, it's it's a little it gets a little obnoxious at times. And I like in this, for example, you have the, the character Nova, mm-hmm. and that's like if you've seen the other movies, you're like, oh, that's cool. But if you well, haven't, it's a you know it's perfectly organic in terms of right. how she gets that name and why the humans can't speak and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. Like really yeah. cool. I was like, it oh, really this is awesome. Well, there's yeah. even like lines from those movies in this one that they're not as obvious as opposed to damn dirty apes or something where it's like, right. it's like a spotlight goes on to right. Draco Malfoy to make sure you get it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Zuma, <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> let's, uh, let's keep going. Uh, Brandon, what's your number four? Detroit, Aaron, you hey. want to take it for Aaron? <laughs> <laughs> he just fell <laughs> down though. <laughs> you know, Aaron, Mike dropped Detroit. It's per- I mean, yeah, I think we we hit it pretty good. Yeah, I I, <laughs> I, put, I, mean, just, no, I hear you. Yeah, I put I put my two cents it. in on Detroit. Uh, yeah. yeah, so but good. No, I'm I'm happy happy to see it on lists. Uh, it's on lists. Hey, what's your number, number four? four? Dunkirk. Uh, I think this is one of the better explorations of war films, and the reason why is because of the lack of dialogue. It's kind of just a lot of visual and a lot of there is dialogue. Let's not get let's get it out of the way. But I think that there's a lot of um, there's a lot of, of self-survival stories in this movie, and whether that's from French soldiers pretending to be English or just soldiers themselves, Englishmen trying to survive against other Englishmen. It's really kind of really compelling to see war from that side because we always we often see it in terms of, well, we're a team, we're a unity, let's do this. And then this movie is just like, yeah, we are a team, but at the same time, hey, look, we're out for our own kind of thing. The British are... are I like the the dialogue of just um, you know we're not you know forget the French we got to get our guys out of here first and then I love that that little boat battle that they have with Harry Styles and it's just like 
this is crazy. Like this is this is what war has done to these these kids, uh, and it, it's kind of just really depressing to watch. But hmm. um, visually, it's fantastic to see uh, and to look at. And I, I watched Darkest Hour, and I was like, I can understand why. I I, I see. I, I kind of liked Dunkirk. I appreciated Dunkirk more. That's what I meant to say. I appreciated it much hmm. more because it's it's uh its approach to movie making and its approach to wartime, right? Of just like, hey, let's be on the ground and let's show this all. And um, you get a you can you can almost viscerally feel it much more than you need to have us, you know, talking about it in Shakespearean quotes or whatever the case is. So, um, Dunkirk, nine number four. I. I really like all the Dunkirk films this year. I think I mentioned that many times this podcast between Dunkirk, Darkest Hour, and Their Finest. Um, but I do think Darkest Hour, which did not make my top 10, but I it's in my top 20, um, it, it really works as a great companion piece to Dunkirk. I think they, so they do. They just kind of, they touch each other, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's, yeah. it's kind of amazing. Yeah. Um, and I will say watching Dunkirk at home, I don't tend to watch Christopher Nolan films at home often. Like I have, the, you know, the Dark Knights and Interstellar and Inception and whatnot. Um, but it's it's weird how little I've watched them, like because I've watched them so many times in theaters. But like just the fact that it's not that IMAX spectacle format, like it just it doesn't feel lesser. It just I feel less inspired to watch them, even though I love all of those movies a lot. Um, yeah. And Dunkirk, I, you know, I watch it and it's like, yep, yeah, this is still fantastic in my eyes. Um, it's just like I can't get that. I can't quite get that same feeling, but I still appreciate watching it. Like it still looks fantastic. Right. I mean, the Blu-ray and I imagine, Brandon, you have the 4K. It mm-hmm. looks fun. it looks and sounds phenomenal. I'm sure. <laughs> like, it's, 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 it's amazing. Yeah, 4K so. for video is like that's the if you want to see how good we've come with 4K Ultra HD. That's that's it right there. That's the one. Yeah. Cool. Sound I can't because it's it's Nolan's still a 5.1 or so. I mean, <laughs> it's a tra- it's an amazing 5.1 track. But since you know 7.1 and Atmos are things now, so right. My uh, my number four is Star Wars: Colon the Last Jedi. Oh, I haven't heard of it. And it, it's it, it's it's because Laura Dern launches a ship in hyperspace into another ship, and that's like really the yeah. best thing ever. <laughs> I mean, well, I well, hold on, hold on to, to our listeners that uh, that haven't seen the movie. The movie goes silent at that part. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag Godspeed. No, it's I, for artistic effect. I I think. <laughs> I think I think Ryan Johns has done an amazing job uh, making a Star Wars movie, um, so much so that it confuses me of how I rank Star Wars movies now because it's like, is this better than some of the original Star Wars movies? <laughs> like, it's so good. Oh. Um, it does a lot. I don't think it is currently. I think it's very much right there though. It's like the fourth best Star Wars movie in my eyes, um, and it might grow on me. To, you know, we'll see how things go. But no, the movie. I think top to bottom. I I've I under I undergraded it at the time where it's like why is this not a five out of five these numbers don't matter but it's like what is really holding me back here and it's because like the the things that I found to be maybe a little problematic just bothered me a lot less the second time watching it and I can't wait to see it more times in the years to come uh, but yeah just this movie has so many things going for it as far as being a Star Wars fan a film fan and just like a guy that wants to see a fun movie it has everything. And I, it, it, it's, it's so, it, it, it's like the Planet of the Apes musical it has it, everything. It does, <laughs> um, it, but it's so upsetting to see like such a, you know, a, a negative reaction from some people. 
um and not even like the ones that just outright hate it it's like i'm not gonna change their minds whatever uh but like more of like the ones that don't like it enough where <laughs> it's like the ones that are like a seven or an eight out of ten i'm like you got come on like what are we what's what's missing really yeah. what's like what's really missing here and apparently people just like luke skywalker a whole lot more than i do i think that's really the bigger takeaway that i have also this is uh, one of the but this, I, this is one of the best luke skywalkers though that was what i took i was like man i really i i really enjoyed the take on luke from start to finish but yeah, yeah. I, 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 I agree, but that's what I'm saying, where it's like, apparently people from the first trilogy really like Luke Skywalker a lot more than I have, because I was like, he's cool, he's fun, but like, you know, Han Solo is a lot of fun, too. I was like, whatever. Or Yoda. Or or a number of things, but... Yeah. No, I think Mark, yeah, I mean, the the performances in this movie, I think, are fantastic all across the board, but yeah, Mark Hamill's doing some amazing work, and I was all about Team Adam Driver in Force Awakens, so like, seeing him do even better in Mm -hmm. this movie... Yeah. It's like, like, what else else needs to be done here? Full on, full on Accepting his dark side. The ball, the ball's back in JJ's court, and I, I look forward to seeing what he does. But it's like Ryan Johnson set a bar here, guys. Like, well, yeah, that's I'm, not, I'm telling you. It's, I hope but, that in, in retrospect, people are like, this is a, a way better movie than than we first got credit credit for. And I'm sorry. I mean, well, you know what, people, we, but the reviews were great. Like, right? yeah, that's true. That's true. I mean, I, I think the the four of us are gonna look back and be like, we told you so. Well, you know what's fun? You know what people hate is they they hate not knowing what's coming next, and for the first time ever. In Star Wars, you you want to tell me what's going to happen in Episode Nine? Exactly. No one has a clue. Yeah, you no, you had do one a after Trade after Federation talks with Boss Ness again. Well, after Empire, you're like, well, I'm sure they'll rescue Han Solo and Luke will face Vader again. Yeah. And you had the this. I have no idea. And the only thing I see are people are like, well, JJ will retcon this. Rec-. I'm like, is he? I mean, if it, <laughs> like, there's no fan theories going on right now. It's driving people nuts. There's no, I mean, no legitimate. Well, who's this guy? Well, you get the stupid. Who's the kid with the broom that some people didn't even see use the force to grab it? Which, <laughs> wow. Uh, but, but like, yeah. There's. I have no idea where it's going, and that excites me yeah. so much from a movie that went a way that I did not expect. It, it's just. It's. It's a very exciting place to be. Also, they crash another ship into a ship using hyperspace, and it's awesome. I mean, yeah. like, it's... <laughs> and and if you watched it in a theater that was completely silent and said and had gasps of ooze and oz, great. If you watched it with other people that were like, no sound, I'm sorry, because uh, yeah. that that was a great moment. Yeah, also, most people during that scene you hear people like, whoa. Yeah, the first time I saw it was whoa, and then the second time I saw it, kids were being idiots, and I was like, oh, you just ruined it for a lot of people in this movie. So also Yoda. Okay, Zachy, what's your number three? Uh, number three was Dunkirk. So um, I think you guys basically covered it. I don't, not Add much more. Thinking. Well, I, you know, uh, uh, just echoing uh, what you were saying, I, I really, I found it extraordinary how, I mean, we don't really know any of the characters' names, uh, or at least I don't, you know, and we're just, oh, it's that guy, and oh, that that guy, yeah, and, there's, and there's, Harry Styles. There's has to that, go to the bathroom and uh, not talks. Yeah. And, um... <laughs> Uh, but but you're totally you're totally invested. I I think you know you mentioned the fight on the boat. The other thing that really sticks out to me is is the whole thing with with Killian Murphy on on the 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 yacht. You know with yeah. with um, what's his name. And and I what really what I found extre- extremely poignant is after um, he's you know had that scuffle and and that poor kid got hurt and and he's like how is he and. And that like Christopher Nolan looking kid 
He's like, uh, <laughs> oh, he's fine. <laughs> but he looks like Christopher. He's That's like great. That's, that is great. Yeah. <laughs> he does look like Christopher well, Nolan. Right into that Inception pattern after he got DiCaprio to pull it off. He's like, I really? Would, <laughs> I like my version of like the boy in uh, in uh, The Incredibles, That's, the girl, the the one that their daughter likes. That's pretty funny. <laughs> he's got a turtleneck. <laughs> but but his response, he's like, oh, he's okay, you know. And I I just the, these little moments of human decency in this inherently indecent situation that they all find themselves and i just for some reason i just find that extremely poignant yeah brandon what's your number three um <laughs> my number three is dunkirk <laughs> <laughs> uh which I'll, I'll just put a, a couple cents as i have this book up uh, with dunkirk because i knew it was going to be popping up here quite a bit it you know it's the one movie that demanded you see it in the biggest screen possible this year mm. um and and one thing i i as a you know fan of like movie all kind of movies whatever but i like a movie that's it's about this one as much as it's about this war story that not a lot of people know about it's about craft and and i think we've gotten away from just letting movies be movies cuz i you know you from the outset of dunkirk okay here's my good guys and then there's bad things happening to them and but let's watch how this story's told. Like, why do I I need to know like what the guy had for breakfast, where his mother met his father, all this stuff to enjoy watching him, or not enjoy, but th- be thrilled watching this guy try to escape death and like survive a day, or a week, or an hour, you know? Um, but it, it's funny how we can't have hey here's your good guy follow him anymore. Like it's uh. it's weird. There's a simplicity with cinema that's that is lacking people want so much depth i'm like we don't have a 10-hour netflix series to tell this story we have the chris one of christopher nolan's shortest movies yep and it's a war yeah. film uh still yeah, following yeah it's his shortest movie one one thing that is gonna that lingers with me that's different this is because it's gonna be i think this is already one of my favorite war films but uh what will linger with me is this one is the one that showed that hey um it's back to work guys sorry for all the hell you just went through but we gotta keep fighting like that's what the end of the movie showed me. It was like, man, these guys, yeah, these guys just have to get right back to it. And a lot of war movies feels like, well, you know, they'll just get sent home after this. But no, these guys got to keep fighting. Or just age really quickly, like in Saving Private Ryan, and then just be in present day. Yeah, yeah. But but it I don't know. This, this was a, a big a movie in technique and crafts uh, style, just going for thrills. Yeah. You know, you know, Nolan talks. He was, you know, this is I want to make a Hitchcock war film, and I think he's pulled it off here. Big time. Abe, what's your number three? My number three is Darkest Hour. And what's uh, what's interesting about this is that... <laughs> the I, way you phrased Dunkirk, it seemed like you didn't have Darkest Hour in your top ten. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> number three. Hey, so Dark, Dunkirk is great in terms of its its war movie uh, uh, approach. What I liked about Darkest Hour a lot is the overall sense of standing up to fascism. And I really... I think that that kind of was probably because of some current events as well. but um, And also just the way that, that resolve happens with, um, I guess, folks and people. And I know that Churchill is not the... I mean, there are a lot of blunders in his in his day, too. Um, but uh, on the whole... When he made it count. Feeling, <laughs> he did make it count. But the feelings of, hey, like, you know what? I, there are some times where, um, you know, the country, we're not really sure what we should be doing here. We're like, what should we be telling people? This is what we should be telling people, and this is how we should be approaching it. And there are some moments where I was just like, this is affecting me in an emotional way that I think is kind of, again, 
because of some current time stuff. And I was just like, I, I'm glad that the people have stood up and, and said that they are going to continue to fight the fascism, the fascists, and, and continue to fight uh, the Germans and whatever else. And uh, they'll they'll die before they uh, they see like the the Nazi flags on their on, on Windsor Castle and whatever else. And uh, it was it was really well done. And also Gary Oldman winning the Oscar this year, man. That's like that's probably going to be the case. Um, I think the Joe Wright also does some really good uh, directorial things in there. Uh, there's some there's some Joe Wrightness about it. If, if you <laughs> we're that. we're big Joe Wright fans on this podcast, even yeah. though he struck out with Pan, we do like Joe Wright quite a bit. So I was, yeah. yes, I agree with you. It is a very Joe Wright movie, and it looks great. Yeah, I, I kind of wish that there was a little bit more uh, Joe Wrightness of it. Meaning, like, I wish that there was some soundtrack mixing with some of the visuals. But whatever, man. It's I, I got enough of it from Joe Wright. But um, on the whole, I think that the movie's messaging of uh, not so much just Churchill himself being a down and out kind of guy or being super resolved against everybody who's against him, uh, but just more of Halick. Um, uh, I think I guess it's more to the the writing of An- Anthony McCartan then because uh, I really like the part where or I really like the lines uh, of the movie where they're just talking about um, uh, how nations that have fought back have basically been rebuilt and nations that that went under are just now under the thumb of, of somebody else's rule or they've been kind of erased from time. So there's a lot of, of interesting things about the movie, but um, it, it on the whole was pretty, really well done. There are, there are six films that are like, I desperately wanted to try to cram into my top 10 list somehow. And obviously that can't happen because, you know, square into a circle. Um, but Darkest Hour is certainly one of them. I, I got, I was so amped after this movie ended in a way that I was not expecting. Like, I like Joe Wright. I like Gary Oldman. I like Ben Mendelsohn, who's also great in this movie. Ben Mendelsohn's so, very good. So, yeah. and along with, uh, Stephen Delane's really good too, as the, um, Neville Chamberlain's other guy, like his, uh, what's his name? The guy oh, that's like right with him. The, the uh, guy, like, the guy from, from, what, what is his face? Halifax? Halifax, yes. Yeah. Uh, there's a great cast here in general. Um, but like, I was so amped. And like, yeah, as, as I was saying, you know, I expected to be like a good movie, but like a biopic like this doesn't tend to get me too excited because I'm like, yeah, all right, that was, you know, it's well acted and it looks great. But like this movie really like got me going. I was like, yeah, this is fantastic. Like, I, I was a, thinking like, this is the British Lincoln. It is. It completely is, Abe. You're exactly yeah. right. That's exactly what I'd compare it to because it does take like this month of time in, right. in Churchill's. Yeah. And it's like at this pivotal moment, which it's already been explored in Dun- the film Dunkirk, where it's like, well, this is a great way to see this kind of other side of things. But yeah. just like the acting, so like I was so not concerned with Gary Oldman after like five minutes. I'm like, well, he's just he's just Churchill now. Like that's just what he's doing. Like there's there's no makeup here. He's just Churchill. Like that's what happened. Yeah. He's transformed. Like and it's amazing. But like yeah. the yeah, it just it's such, it it really gets you going. And like there's there's two scenes like that. One's like really meme worthy, and the other's like really cheesy. But I like them so much. The one where he's on the bus. Uh, and he's talking to all the the citizens, and it's like that actually got me a little teary eyed. It's a really like, good scene, and I could see it being. Made I was like, fun I, I, of. this I, this is a little bit. This is the most Hollywood of the scenes. Yes, but at the same time, I was like, you know, this is this is. I, I'm glad it, that, it that works. This it's, scene here. Well, it's because it's nice to see like these are what people sound like, like in a movie yeah. where it's like, here's all these politicians talking. What do the people have to say? And it might be corny, but it worked. And the yeah. other scene is when he's like, well, you stop interrupting me while I'm interrupting you. But, like, he has that line that's a great Churchill line. It's like, you can't negotiate with a tiger when your head's in its mouth. And it's like, right. this is, yes, these are, these are things that matter. I like this so much. 
Also, that FDR phone call is one of my favorite movie moments of the year. I think it's a hilarious scene because there's a lot of humor in this movie. Yeah, well, a well-done Joe Wright scene as well. Just mm-hmm. like the isolation of two black panels and then a white panel in the middle. Yeah, it's it's really yeah. good. Um, my number three is Dunkirk, so it's like we've said a lot okay. already. Right. I will I will add this. I think the structure of this movie is fantastic. I I'm so displeasing that people you know either smart people too not just like hey okay i didn't quite get it but whatever it was fun like so people that you know legit write about film and do this for a living are like i couldn't quite understand when the time frame was happening it's like what's why yeah i'm not gonna say it's like just incredibly easy but at the same time it's creative and it's like it's so not a movie i expected from a you know a war film I expected something from Christopher Nolan that'd be unique in some fashion, but I thought that the structure of this movie was so fascinating to me of seeing like seeing seeing a week, a day, and an hour, and seeing how that kind of all spirals together and then comes together in this wonderful climax. I mean, there's so much greatness going on here from a technical standpoint, and seeing how these you know different perspectives. I mean, we talk about Star Wars and and um, how Kurosawa's kind of back in there. You, you got a lot of Kurosawa and Dunkirk as well, like how that's mm-hmm. structured. I mean, yeah. it really plays out well. And another one of my favorite movie moments is just Tom Hardy's Spitfires, but specifically when like it, it finally runs out of gas and it's just gliding and there's no sound and you see the soldiers looking up and they just they have this kind of look on their face like, huh, like that's wonderful to see. I don't get it. Like I don't I don't know why this five planes here, <laughs> <laughs> but it's like there's just and like yeah like Hoyt Van Hoyt like his cinematography. This is a tough year for cinematography guys. There's a lot of great entries. It is. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's some good. There's some good folks. Ones, here. ones that aren't even going to get nominated like Lost City of Z are going to like get like lost. But that's another great looking film. But there's a lot of just great shots in this movie that are just breathtaking to see. Yeah. You, practically done to if IMAX cameras no less like what does Nolan do next from here guys like I mean I mean he's, he he's put gone. those IMAX cameras on, on the, the damn plane yeah. like it's insane yeah. so it's yeah it's like where what is he like he's gone to space like so we've already got that out of the way like what what else <laughs> is he going to a black hole is he filmed from inside of a glacier for like a year like what happens next I don't, I don't he's, know he's now he's become the David Blaine of, of directors pretty much <laughs> I mean he, like he really is like in a in a that's I mean it's a silly comparison, but at the same time, you've seen magic shows for you know hundreds, you know for de- for centuries. You haven't seen like this freak doing his weird thing out in public before. I don't know what that is, and that's what Nolan's doing. He's like, hey, and he I even love did cinema. a magic show too. Right? Yeah, he did. So... He made a movie about magicians. With a twist. <laughs> yes, multiple twists. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Zachy, what's your number two film of the year? Uh, number two is Star Wars The Last Jedi, which we haven't talked about at all. So <laughs> here we go for 20 minutes. No, um, I, I don't I don't have anything to add. I, I found it uh, extraordinary. It was it was, you know, I had the same reaction to you guys saying where uh, I, I I knew I liked it right away. It definitely it took me that second viewing to take me from from really like it a lot to, oh, my gosh, this is exceptional. Uh, I, and, and unfortunately I'm not surprised at all by the reaction online. As soon as it ended, I was like, oh my gosh, people are going to be, uh, you know, tossing tomatoes at each other uh, across an invisible line here because of this movie. And unfortunately people are living down to that, which is a shame. I, I've said from the beginning, this is going to be thought of in the same breath as empire, uh, the, the same way empire strikes back is revered. Uh, you know, I, I have to remind people like, look, it, it wasn't revered when it came out. Because people were like, why isn't this more like Star Wars? And I think, you know, I think it's eventually going to come around. You know, I, I, I use my kids as barometers for, for these type of movies. And I look at them and they're not sitting there like, oh, this is 
character assassination of, of Luke Skywalker or what have you. They're just like, for them, it's just another chapter in the story. And I think once hype and time and sort of expectation have all subsided, people will, will look at it with, with cooler eyes and they'll see it for what it is. I think that the problem I find in the kind of the, the fan backlash is I don't know what the hell they want. <laughs> Where, right. Because it's like yeah. they, they they hated Star Wars so much when the creator of Star Wars dared to do something with prequels that he shunned himself away from it. Like that's how bad the fans were. Yeah, the they they broke George Wars. Lucas. They broke him. <laughs> and now it's yeah. like, so let's, okay, well, how about let's rehash Star Wars of J.J. Abrams? Of course, great. We love it. And now it's like, well, how about we tweak Star Wars a little bit because we've seen you know, seven of these, eight of these movies for Rogue One, but maybe we do a little something different. And it's like, no, mm-hmm. no, nothing. No, don't want, get, bring back George Lucas. We hated him before. Right. Let's, let's get him right. in here. Fan Make theory. Ryan Johnson apologize. <laughs> it, it, I just, I, I, I didn't, I, I didn't quite experience the kind of prequel backlash when that was happening, both because I think I was just, I was in middle school at that point where it wasn't like hitting me in the same way it was hitting people and i wasn't you know i wasn't you know surfing online message boards or whatnot so like this feels like what that backlash must have been like for a lot of people and it's sad it just saddens me <laughs> it's like it's i, I well, try i don't involve myself as much in it as i know a lot of people do but it's like ah this is it's disheartening to see <laughs> certain claims being made about things that are relatively obvious and, as far and, as the complaints but, or whatnot. but you know are, the, sorry go ahead uh, i was gonna say there are people like with the dislike that you got to take out of this equation entirely, which I, I know it's not fair, but there are people that have hated every single thing Disney's done. Yep. And, and they're, they're going to hate the next thing Disney does with star Wars. There are people that hate that gave up on star Wars at the prequels and just keep hating. There are people that gave up at Jedi. keep hating. There are the expanded universe. People that are pissed that some filmmaker doesn't want to read through hundreds of mostly garbage novels and comics over 30 years and try to make a film that fits in with all of them. They're mad. So now when you get these new people that are just like, I didn't get this movie or I don't like it, they're, they're taking it as adding to their numbers somehow. Hmm. So there's people that weren't going to like it from the offset. And, you know, so, something I, I said on my own show is that I feel like a lot of people, they're going into, uh, you know, these these new episodes. And even, you know, I would say this happened with the prequels is they're sitting down and they're like, OK, here we go. Make me feel like I did when I was, you know, seven or whatever, and I watched Star Wars for the first time, the original, whatever my in point was. To, and, and, and I think that's just an unfair thing. That's an unfair set of expectations because, you know, that experience, you're never going to have it the same way. And then that's okay. The, the movie that gave you that is still there and you'll always get that experience whenever you pop it. You know, for me, watching A New Hope, I always feel like a kid again. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's I, I don't want to expect that from this Force Awakens. And I'm always like, look, this new trilogy will be for, for the kids watching it. What, you know, those original ones were for that generation, for the prequel, what the prequels were for them. Like, why why can't you just let them experience it? You know, it's it's weird because um, I, I was telling somebody else, I was like, this, this, trilogy, this is like Mad About, uh, sorry, this is like, um, not mad, mad About You. This is like Girl Meets World. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and in the sense of, like, people got really excited when Girl Meets World was announced because they're like, oh, I can't wait to see Corey and Topanga and Mr. Feeney and, and live that again. And then you watch it and you're like, oh, okay, this is really about these other people. And we occasionally see, you know, Corey and Topanga. And it's like, you just got to be okay with that. Like, time moves on. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're not going to I mean, you're Star Wars isn't going to make the the bills and car payments and stuff you had going into the theater go away by the time you get out. I mean, there's, <laughs> there's, there's there's a there's a Damn it, I should have wished harder then. I mean, there's all the, the problem with nostalgia the, it, it never meeting up the expectations is because you're not that kid anymore. The reason you liked a lot of stuff with kids is you had a lot less worries in your that's life true. externally yeah, from movies. Movies were what it was like something you got to do and, you know, you just went back to playing and stuff. You didn't have anything else on your mind. You didn't know as much about movies then. You you know, and, and that's mean, why you hold on to them. Some of us are smart enough to know that Hook's a terrible movie, but I mean, <laughs> <laughs> it's not everybody, I guess. You yeah. can't see it, but I'm pointing at air. And Jumanji, but yeah. <laughs> like, but yeah, like, but there's a different, like, people just don't, it's weird that they don't understand that. But, huh. I don't know. But people apparently, well... Force Awakens had people complaining that it was the same thing as much as people were liking that it was the same thing, mm-hmm. which I are you really wasn't. I, I enjoy both Force Awakens and Last Jedi. I think Last Jedi makes Force Awakens stronger. I, I agree. agree with that. I totally also, agree. I, it's, at least it was more even keeled. I can understand that with Force Awakens. Right. Like, you know, yeah. In a way, J.J. didn't intend, yeah. <laughs> I think. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, Brandon, what's your number two? Uh, Baby Driver. Oh, I, I enjoyed the heck out of this film. It was a fun movie. It had me bopping in my seat. Uh, Edgar Wright, always, every time he makes a, a movie, it tends to land somewhere around my 10, I think. Yeah, uh, me too. This one, he got to show his, you know, Aaron's always pointed out that he's one of the best action directors out there that you just wouldn't know it. And uh, this one shows it. Uh, he He's, you know, pulling from like Walter Hill's The Driver, but he's made a better film than Walter Hill's The Driver, uh, which is a film I really like a lot. Um, and this one has good little, you know, pulpy characters. John Hamm's terrific. Jamie Foxx is intimidating as hell in that in the movie. Uh, I got a question, Doc. Why would I believe phones over here? Hear the goddamn words you said. You lay down your whole play. He ain't even listening. Baby. Target is an armored truck at Perimeter Trust in Dunwoody, 10 a.m. sharp. We have the details of the route because someone at the depot has a nasal problem. The bank itself is right near the Buford Highway, so we should be able to hit the ramp within 60 seconds of getting out. We also have a diversion crew. They're going to blow up a bread truck a ways away, keep the fuzz busy. The dress code is the Michael Myers Halloween mask, but don't all buy your mask at the same time. It looks suspicious. The switch car is ready, but you want me to hit the long state parking structure at Hartsfield Jackson to get a heist vehicle that stays colder longer? Boost a commuter car, a family car, something that blends in well with morning traffic. Something on the heavy side, in case we need to ram the cops off the road to Escalade, Yukon, Avalanche, whatever. It needs to be ready for an 8.30 start in the AM. Questions? Well, ain't y'all cute. That's my baby. There's a guy in here that we're not supposed to talk about. He's fine in the movie, too. Um, <laughs> he has a story arc that I kind of liked better uh, when uh, the movie finished. Yeah, but I know what you mean. Uh, but, you know, he dies. Uh, but, you know, it's got cool car chases. And <laughs> he, I love... he definitely dies now because there's no way he's going to be in the sequel that they're currently planning. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> right. And, you know, I love that Wright has such a great grasp that when, you know, you get to that final, like, oh, this this the big this is the big car chase, and it takes off on foot. It's so brilliant. Um, I just, yeah, I I really just had a lot of fun with this movie, and I, I liked a lot. I had to, like, check back after I saw a couple movies with Baby Driver and be like, is Baby Driver my, still my favorite of the year? And then, yes, but I, it it. it Ended up in the last minute, uh, towards the end of the year, getting bumped to number two. But for a long time, this was easily my number one. 
I mean, I like it. I'm not gonna argue too much of an Edgar Wright movie. It's my number ten, which is like that seems relatively low, but I really like the other movies. But I really like <laughs> Baby Driver. I was very happy to see it um, multiple times. I saw it with Anna twice. I saw it the second time with her in uh, the 40X experience. Oh, you get like the. It was basically the, like the was, rocket seats. It's basically like being on Star Tours. I mean, yeah. that's really what the experience was. And it was pretty, pretty interesting. I wouldn't necessarily need to do that again, but it's like, well, that was neat. But no, the movie itself. I'm a huge Edgar Wright fan. You know this. Like it's so it's it's not surprising for me to you know to rank a movie so high. But regardless, it's just so well assembled and the cast is great. And like you mentioned, Ham and and Fox and some others. I think Ansel Elgort is really good in the lead. He, I mean, he's a, yeah. Go, sorry, I think Golden Globe nominee Ansel Elgort is really good in the lead. <laughs> and, like, and owner of the actual car from uh, Baby Driver, Ansel Elgort. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. The like the initial casting. I'm like. Well, Edgar Wright knows his stuff, so it's like he probably didn't cast him out of... It was like, I have nothing against Ansel Elgort. It's just like he hasn't done much to be like, man, this is a kid to watch out for. But like seeing with this movie, it's like, this kid's got some presence. I, I like what he's doing here. I, I look forward to seeing similar things like that. Not necessarily another, like, uh, what's his name? What's the... John John Green? Is that the Fault in Our Stars thing? Uh, uh, the and, author, right? Yeah, the author. Not, not the necessarily another John, John, you know, John Green movie. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. But... Um, you know, just seeing you know Ansel Elgort pop up and something like, all right, I can you know have a little more th- to say about that. But uh, soundtrack well, wise too, this movie's oh yeah phenomenal. I mean, in a year where there's a lot of really good soundtracks, this this is one of the best ones easily. Yeah, and nice. I, I think Ansel like the funny thing is like right after this movie came out, there was that talk of like, well, how was this kid not cast as Han Solo? Yeah. <laughs> that's how good he was that people would have wanted to see him as you know a harrison ford replacement when no one wanted to see a harrison ford replacement mm-hmm. but that's kind of that's kind of how good he he was when he was kind of a maybe a vanilla person now he's got something like baby driver to build off of hey what's your number two my number two is a Japanese anime called Your Name. It's one that I've been championing ever since I saw it and I really really like this movie for its it's I I guess the the story and where it takes you because I thought that it was one movie and then it turns out to be another movie and I was like this is really emotionally affecting me right now and I don't know how I need to process this a little bit more. Um, it's one that actually came to U.S. theaters for a very limited run, but it's it's huge in Japan. Um, it's and, like giant in Japan, like like one of the true. biggest Japanese it, movies ever. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, yeah, and it, it's almost like uh, it's almost like Wolf Cop for China, right? Wolf Cop Two, uh, but uh, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's exactly like that. <laughs> didn't make a billion, but it made a lot of money in Japan. And again, um, I think the story I mean, Wolf is Warrior too, not Wolf, Wolf Cop. Warrior. I'm I was sorry, like, Wolf why are you mentioning is, Wolf Cop? <laughs> Wolf Cop is, is our buddy. Uh, who's, we're going to talk about Wolf Cop too, maybe later. Yeah. Okay, but, so, uh, that, so that statement makes more sense because Wolf Warrior was huge. Wolf Warrior, <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. Wolf Warriors too. My bad. Um, but yeah, your name is is a simple story about this guy who seemingly has these dreams about being in somebody else's body. It's like this body switch movie. And as the movie progresses, it's fun and and builds up this this you know fun atmosphere, and then all of a sudden it turns a little bit more dramatic and. I love that about the movie. I, lo- I like when when things go uh, awry, I guess, and then they they handle it very well. Uh, so, definitely would recommend. Actually, is pretty big in China too, eighty three million, but uh, bad Japan two hundred thirty five million. I mean, it's you know did its job. I caught yeah. up with your name pretty recently, actually, which I still kind of consider your movie from last year. I'm not quite sure how this works, but uh, it it is quite good. I I, I I do like my share of anime, and it's like you say, it's not quite. It doesn't quite go into Grave of the Fireflies territory, but at the same time, it's like, it gets pretty deep as far as some of the things it's going for. 
Um, yep. In ways that, like you just said, I did not see coming. It's like, that's not the direction I would have expected this movie to go. So Either, either same here. And I think that's why I was, I was kind of caught off guard, but pleasantly surprised. Um, so my number two film of the year is Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. Uh, um, I am a big Martin McDonough fan. I love In Bruges and Seven Psychopaths was on was like my number three from 2012, if not two. I think it was three. I think Looper was up in there. So there was a good year in 2012. <laughs> a lot of yeah. a lot of, of five star mm-hmm. movies hit me like around like October to December. Regardless, Three Billboards I think is excellent. I think the screenplay is absolutely fantastic. Um, it is what I consider to be a very heightened screenplay where you have these kind of over the top and broad sort of characters in a sense, but I think it works really well in the universe this film creates because the acting is so spectacular. I'd do anything to catch the guy who did it, Mrs. Hayes, but when the DNA don't match no one who's ever been arrested, and when the DNA don't match any other crime nationwide, and when there wasn't a single eyewitness from the time she left your house to the time we found her, well, Right now, there ain't too much more we can do. Could pull blood from every man and boy in this town over the age of eight. There's civil rights laws prevents that, Mrs. Hayes. And what if he was just passing through town? Pull blood from every man in the country, then. Then what if he was just passing through the country? It was me. I start up a database. Every male baby what's born, stick him on it. And as soon as he'd done something wrong, cross-reference it make 100% certain it was a correct match, then kill him. Yeah, well, there's definitely civil rights laws prevents that. I'm doing everything I can to track him down. I don't think those billboards is very fair. The time it took you to get out here whining like a bitch, Willoughby, some other poor girl's probably out there being butchered right now, but I'm glad you got your priorities straight. I'll say that for you. Uh, Frances McDormand is obviously great and arguably her best role easily since Fargo, but maybe better even better than Margaret Anderson. Not quite sure on that. I got to think about that more. But she's really good in the movie um, and afforded the chance to be a lead character in a movie for a change, which is not often, which is surprising uh, given how great of a talent Frances McDormand tends to be. Um, equally good, you have Woody Harrelson and Sam Rockwell who are just delivering excellent performances. One a lot more challenging than the other. Sam Rockwell, given that he plays a you know a bigot plays a horrible person who does horrible things and what i think seems to be getting lost in the translation because three billboards has become subject of some controversy as far as people siding on one side or the other with it i there's an aspect to, to rockwell and just the movie in general where people are discussing how how the racism and how the kind of viewpoints that people have how it's being somewhat redeemed or not or what have you and i think the movie it, from my perspective it doesn't provide easy answers. It doesn't give you this kind of, you know, like, he, you know, he's cured or he's better now or what have you. I think there's still things that are very much going to be happening with these characters where we, you know, kind of continue seeing them. And I think that makes the movie all the better, where it doesn't take any easy way out. Easy ways out. It, it finds ways to make people maybe relate to each other a bit more and find places to channel their anger, which this movie very much has. It's a very angry movie about people that have been fed up for a variety of reasons that have big issues that they want to deal with but it's also a movie about compassion and forgiveness yeah. and that makes it extra special to me that makes that makes it something it's also you know hilarious there's some amazing you know exchanges of phrases here there's some great one-liners just great quips the mark mcdonough's use of profanity in films i think fascinates me i think it's it tends to be really well handled in the way he did you know uses 
foul language with his characters because it's not a matter of just resorting to saying fuck for the sake of a laugh. I think it's the way he uses the word fuck, let alone shit, you know, what, any, other, <laughs> any other swear word. There's a lot of clever ways that that can be used compared to others that just kind of improv their way out of a scene by using those like kind of language. McDonough makes it an art. And that, huh. that, that, that to me is very impressive. Yeah. Um, I definitely want to echo your sentiments about the forgiveness part. I think I mentioned that in our review as well. And also, um, uh, I just I, I love the dark comedy ness of it, even yeah. though it is very dramatic um, throughout the, the majority of the movie. For sure, like it. it but th- that's a McDonough trait. I mean, you and I is. love Imbruge, and Imbruge is super dark. But at the same time, there's a lot of really funny stuff that Colin Farrell says. But one of the best things about Imbruge was the fact that the trailer gave me a movie that I was not expecting, and I know mm-hmm. that pisses off a lot of people. But I always get happy by seeing like it's like I don't consider it to be mismarketing because it got me into the yeah. job. It's more of Okay, I got something else, and if it's sad, if it's you know, if that's still good, which I think Imbruge very much is, I'm all for it. I'm all. For, I mean, the same. Yeah. Ad, I wouldn't say the same app if it comes at night because I think people are just insane what they are expecting from that movie. But I think it's excellent. But um, I can see where that perspective comes from, but I don't know why that makes it bad. It's like I think the movie delivers a terrific psychological thriller, and Imbruge was that way, where it's like, okay, it made it seem like it was like another like fast talking Tarantino type hitman movie, but instead it's this really poignant look at someone considering suicide for a good reason um yeah. here the movie's sold i think the way it's supposed to be maybe a bit more of a comedy than people might be expecting but the drama that comes into the movie is very affecting and you get some great performances as i mentioned along with a lot of like smaller performances like peter dinklage and john hawks who's show up in the movie that are excellent too john hawks is is really good in yeah his and two scary scenes. it's scary in the first yeah scene. exactly like, just yeah. Oh, yeah. i mean it's just it's yeah. great it's great stuff so yeah, three yeah. You know, one one performance that yeah, you mentioned, I mean, Woody Harrelson, I feel like, is not getting mm-hmm. mentioned nearly enough. And he is so good in this. He and is, I mean yeah. it, when, it, when is Woody not like top notch? That's like, true. He's he's one of the few people that you, it doesn't matter the movie, he's gonna make it worth watching just by being. I think he's it. kind I mean, of it, he's a reliable presence that doesn't get enough like He he really doesn't. It it's I mean, it tells you something that when he leaves the, the the story, I mean, you feel it like you you just feel his absence instantly. Like you've known him, like the characters in the town, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And and that's and I you know because yeah I think I think uh, we take for granted just how good he is. He you know and you know we talked about the apes film earlier. He, how yeah. he's able to make this really kind of vile person sympathetic in his own way i mean that says something you know yeah and with apes i mean it's the if there was a i mean i'm sure there's other talented actors that can play that character but it's it's because of woody harrelson that i like the movie more than i might have if it was Mm. played differently yeah oldman also a really good antagonist in uh don Don yes um, But I wish I call it with uh, with three old words. I, I think that uh, I'm sorry with with Woody Harrelson. I, what's what's also fascinating is um, the letters that he that he leaves behind. So his voiceover yes. is there, right? And you're just like, oh. <laughs> Aside from him being on the screen, and you're like, oh yeah, Woody Harrelson's there. It's, it's more of just like his presence is really good in this movie, like throughout it. And so sometimes you will go missing it because there's I guess there's a funny joke that he does later in the movie to to the character. Um, what's her face? Uh, Who's the actress? Frances McDormand. Frances McDormand, and I was like, "Yeah, see, that that's definitely something that I really appreciate a lot of. Just again, that forgiveness part, but also being a, a huge asshole up till the end." <laughs> <laughs> all right, so uh, we've gone all the way to number two, and before we all get to our number one picks for the years, we want to acknowledge our listeners. 
Uh, yeah. We asked our listeners uh, what they had for their top 10 films of the year, and we figured, uh, why not, uh, you know, include them include them as well so we're going to go through some of the the listeners list for their favorite films of the year before we get to ours yeah and manish writes uh, for his top 10 number 10 girl strip uh, star wars last jedi the disaster artist wonder woman dunkirk call me by your name lady bird the big sick the shape of water and his number one is get out and next dennis his number 10 baby driver who was better than fast and furious 8 and john Hamm's character was more tenacious than john wick uh, next, Colossal, the quirky premise does not ready you for the dramatic turn in the third act. Logan Lucky enjoyed watching the movie almost as much as Daniel Craig enjoyed being in it. <laughs> it. Uh, number seven is It, Goosebumps for Adults and Solid Acting. Next is Wonder Woman, fun popcorn flick that definitely uses the mustache they took out of Justice League. <laughs> uh, Dennis got next, jokes. I know. <laughs> Keep sending them. Uh, and Den- uh, next is Mudbound, tough watch and emotionally draining. Uh, next is Shape of Water. I'll see anything Del Toro, or I'll see any Del Toro movie on the big screen for the fantasy and art direction. And this did not disappoint. Next is Get Out. Avoid the trailer. Uh, Blade Runner twenty forty nine is number two. This proves that something can go home again. That that sometimes you can go home again. I'm sorry. And his number one is Logan. Most fun I've had watching something so bleak and depressing. Huh. All right. Uh, the next few lists we have here. First one's from Chris. He writes, still a few films we haven't had over here. So this is my list. No order. Uh, he writes, Dunkirk, Logan, Baby Driver, Mother, Okja, John Wick, Chapter 2, Bright, ha, just joking, Mudbound, <laughs> Blade Runner, 2049, Get Out, and Gerald's Game. Hmm. Uh, Chris writes, uh, number 10, The Belko Experiment, The Fate of the Furious, King Arthur, colon, Legend of the Sword, Thor Ragnarok, Spider-Man Homecoming, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, John Wick Chapter 2, Wonder Woman, Logan, and his number one is Get Out. And lastly, friend of the show, Gary, he writes, um, let's see, from from 10 to 3, from 10, well, actually, he filled it in, never mind. Um, he has, his number 10, Dunkirk, The Beguiled, Detroit, Lady Macbeth, Call Me By Your Name, Get Out, Lady Bird, Three Billboards, A Quiet Passion, and is number one, The Shape of Water. Nice. So yeah, that's a th- th- thank you all the listeners thank for, you guys for throwing for in this. And uh, we look forward to getting more lists in the weeks to come. I know not every movie has come out yet, so people are still catching up on some of the things that came out right. the last year or whatnot. So it'll be, it'll be neat to get more lists as we you know keep going on with this. Yeah. But, uh, but now, uh, let's get to the end of this list, guys. Zachy, what's your number one film of the year? Number one for me was The Post. Yeah, this one, you know, it, it's kind of like um, uh, I'm a huge Spielberg fan, I'm a huge Tom Hanks fan, and I'm a huge fan of crusading journalist movies. So this is like, check all the boxes, you know? It's not the full report, but it's over 4,000 pages of it. Huh. Are these in order? I don't think so. There are no page numbers. Yeah, that's where the top secret stamps were. My source had to cut them off. We're supposed to retire on Friday. <laughs> ben, how are we supposed to comb through 4,000 pages? They're not even loosely organized. The had three months. There's yeah. no way we can possibly He's get right. this right. We got less than eight hours. We could shoot for City, then we'd have ten. Hey, 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 hey. For the last six years, we've been playing catch-up. And now, thanks to the President of the United States, who, by the way, has taken a shit all over the First Amendment, we have the goods. We don't have any competition. There's dozens of stories in here. The Times has barely scratched the surface. We have 10 hours till the deadline, so we dig in. Um, I think it's it's timely. It, it couldn't be more timely, and certainly that weighed in uh, to my 
uh, picking it as my number one. I just I just plugged into it in in you know maybe in a different way than I would have uh, five years ago or five years from now. Um, but but more than that, I mean it's just it's like a masterclass in just talented people doing what they're good at. You know, he you, you point a camera at. Meryl Streep and Tom Hanks and you don't even need to cut in you can just stay on a two shot and it is just mesmerizing I, I you know and I think above and beyond that uh it it's about something that's really important which is you know the the, the role that uh the press plays in in uh in an effective and functioning functioning democracy and that's something that's near and dear to my heart uh so it just it just it fired at all thrusters for me we're going to talk more about The Post in our next week's episode, so I'm not going to yeah. go too far into my thoughts on The Post, but I will say it was a hard one not to have on my top ten. It's in that number mm. – it's in that tied for 11 spot, essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Brandon's the number one for worst. Okay, got it. <laughs> yes, another, <laughs> another worst of the year for Brandon's logic. If you're not in the ten, you're, you're in the loser's club. <laughs> <laughs> Boo. <laughs> Brandon. Don't what? worry, Bright's there with it. <laughs> Brandon, what's your number one film of the year? A uh, movie that's come up quite a bit already. It's The Shape of Water. Um, man, this is this is in like that masterpiece territory that that Guillermo del Toro seems to keep coming up with with like The Devil's Backbone and and Pan's Labyrinth. And I even I'm I love Hellboy Two: Hellboy The Golden Army. That I love that movie. I think. Um, I think Crimson Peak was misunderstood because a lot of people were so far away from the era of film he was calling back to that people, that the studio didn't know how to sell the movie and people hadn't seen a movie like that in a long time. But I, um, this one, top to bottom, like how this man keeps topping himself and churning out these little, like his own little set of fairy tales and monsters and riffing on things he likes. It's unbelievable. The, the theme behind it's great. Sally Hawkins is great. Jenkins, Richard Jenkins is great. Octavia Spencer. Mm-hmm. Michael Shannon, another bastard that Guillermo del Toro can come up with and create these, like the general in Pan's Labyrinth. Like, man, you just want to smack the guy. Right. <laughs> uh, and they, I mean, they just get, you know, right under your skin, just plays it well. Um, I don't, man, the creature design, Doug Jones is continually awesome as these people. This is like, you know, he, Abe Sapien was his, you know, practice runs for this, apparently. Yeah, I did a pretty good job in that role. Pretty good. Uh, yeah, I, I've always been, I've, you know, I've always loved the creature from the Black Lagoon. He's he's the one that they haven't mined the hell out of. Uh, this isn't exactly him, but it's, you know. It's a better Dark Universe you know, it, it, film than The Mummy. <laughs> I thought we were done talking about my worst stuff list. Um, <laughs> three billboards, one mummy. Um, but, yeah, it's, I don't know. <laughs> Sorry. But yeah, Guillermo is taking a year off. Well earned. Um, man, yeah, this one just is beautiful. This film, like, there's so much cool. Yeah, the, we're talking about cinematography. There's the 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 underwater. You know, there's something I did as a child that um, they pull off in this movie. It didn't work for me. It was stuffing towels under the door to try to fill up a room, to make it like a bathtub. Whereas Richard Jenkins greeted it with uh, glee, my my father did not. I didn't have an underwater merman I was trying to have <laughs> sex with, but uh, yeah, no, I yeah, Shape of Water is amazing. We'll talk. R- Richard Jenkins has such a, he's such a great like, 
we talk about Woody Harrelson, like these guys are on the same list as far as if they show up, you know, things are going to be like, he's in Kong oh, Skull Island. Like he just like in for like three minutes and it's like Richard Jenkins here is he's just like being amazing. But like well, Jenkins, like, any movie with Richard Jenkins, I'm just like, oh, I'm glad because he shows up in stuff like uh, Cabin in the Woods. And I'm just like, oh, Richard Jenkins. Cool. He just immediately well, I'll tell you shows. what, he's yeah. a guy, Richard Jenkins is a guy that the Jenks. You love him. If, if, if some sort of like, you know, sexual assault allegations came out about him, it would just crush you because of <laughs> how how charming he is. And so, so many things, it'd just be like, it would crush you. That's a horrible yeah. list to make. One it's, that would crush funny. you the most. <laughs> I, I, well, I mean, just I just watched Step Brothers for the first time ever like, oh, a week wow. ago. Yeah. Uh, and, and I was like, oh, same same reaction. Richard Jenkins, you know. Yeah. And as that role goes on, <laughs> it, it gets right? crazier. And, he, and yeah. he becomes a dinosaur. You're like, hmm. I still like this. <laughs> but uh, he also Burn says it very briefly in uh, in Killing Them Softly. He's like, he's great. So <laughs> Burn after reading, like loved him in that movie. What I, I what I was gonna say about Jenkins particularly is there's there's a scene where the creature eats one of Jenkins' pets, and there's a there's a way to play that where he's hysterical or he's against it or he turns the monster in or something. But instead, his line is. He's a wild animal. We can't expect anything from that. And it's like, <laughs> but, yeah. and it's, but it's perfect. It's such a like he gets it. It's not. It's not about being like lashing out or something. It's about understanding and compassion, which is a big well, part yeah, of him, that movie and a lot of movies that we've talked about. Well, but I mean, there's... him and Octavia Spencer just okay. You're screwing the merman. That's cool. Uh, you know, they mm-hmm. just treat it like normal. And love has no boundaries. Brandon, you still there? Yeah, I'm still here. Oh, I thought you were saying something that you cut out. Okay. But no, yeah, it's among the reasons. Richard Jenks is one of them. But yeah, there's a lot of just great things in there. Abe, what is your number one movie of the year? My number one movie of the year is Lady Bird. And what I liked about this movie a lot is that it's simple, it's concise, it's well-written. Mom! You can't even pass your driver's test. Because you wouldn't let me practice The way enough. that you work, or the, or the way that you don't work, you're not even worth state tuition, Christine. My name is Lady Bird. Uh, well, actually, it's not, and it's ridiculous. Call me Lady Bird like Christine. you said you would. Just, you should just go to City College. You know, with your work ethic, just go to City College, and then to jail, and then back to City College, and then maybe you'd learn to pull yourself up and not expect everybody to do everything. And it's got the... Uh, it had, certainly has the... Um, characters that I really kind of could associate myself with much more in terms of just going through some of these things. Um, and I, I really enjoyed this movie. Um, visually, it's it's got some cues from Bombach and Anderson. That's probably because Greta Gerwig hangs out with both of those guys quite a bit. Um, and on the whole, it's one of those movies that I've, I've continuously kept thinking about since I've since seeing it. And uh, that usually <laughs> kind of just means that it's going to be in my top ten list. Yeah, Lady Bird is terrific. I mean, it's on my, it's on Brandon and I's top ten list, also a little mm-hmm. lower. But like, I mean, I I really enjoyed this movie. It's it's a great as a comedy, but also great as just like a seeing like a director really take charge. And like one thing I highlighted in the um, in our main review of it when we talked with uh, Jordan and uh, who else is on that show? Um, who do you talk about? Lady Bird? Uh, which which show? Our Lady Bird episode. Lady, it was oh. Lady Bird and and three billboards. Yeah, it was three billboards. I think it was, yeah. I, I wasn't on it. Oh, that's why. <laughs> you weren't yeah. there. Um, is the editing. The editing is what I really admire about Lady Bird. I think there's such a, a great way it comes together in bringing a lot of, like, because, you know, it spans like a year, and there's so much great work to kind of cut away the fat while still making everything affecting, uh, where you get a lot of scenes that don't necessarily, you know, have a, 
they don't need to open by spelling out a whole bunch of information to you and they don't end by giving you like hey this is also what happened after this um, yeah it just it it does a lot of good work to get exactly what you need from a certain scene and then go yep. to the next scene yeah and it, there's a good talent very, there yep yeah it doesn't have a lot of whole lot of fat and it also uh i think when the movie ended i was like oh that was it i kind of hope that there was more and i'm glad that there isn't so it's one of those it's one of those kind of movies yeah i and i you know everybody's all you know loving allison janney and i tanya stuff but i like metcalf better for some reason i don't know i really was taken I, by her performance in this. same here yeah because I, mean, I, I felt like i felt like allison janney like i've seen her play those characters before maybe i don't i don't know well i, I don't need to downplay what Janney's i'm not downplay doing, but, but i'm just but like, I, but I, I feel like, but I would say yes. I I if I was to pick one, I think Metcalf gives the more rounded performance that I'd be happy to kind of celebrate. Like, there's little things she's doing. Yeah, there's. I mean, there's a lot more to. I've seen Lady Bird twice, and like, yeah, there's there's a lot going on with Metcalf that I, that I enjoy there that really plays good on a second time as well. Uh, and I'll say this: Tracy Letts is fantastic. Another he reliable, is great. another oh, reliable yeah, yeah. actor who's popped up in a lot of things this year including the post uh, I, mean, I mean he's he's terrific as the father and for especially yeah. for especially for um ladybird where he's not playing like an imposing figure or like an authority figure he's just playing like the dad who has his own problems but is also yeah. sweet to his daughter it's right. like good job on Tracy Lenz's part <laughs> <laughs> going for writing one of marcus's favorite films uh, oh, what's it called? Uh, Killer Joe. Killer Joe. Yeah. <laughs> as a playwright to being like, dark. lovable dad <laughs> character, Ladybird. <laughs> yeah. He's doing good things. Oh, yeah. But yeah, no, there you go. Uh, my number one film of the year uh, is The Shape of Water as well. Um, Heard of that. Yeah, Guillermo del Toro is one of my favorite directors, one of my favorite filmmakers, and just filmmaking personalities because he's such a great person to listen to. Um, and no, he, he made, an, like you said, Brandon, he made another masterpiece. I mean, after along with the ones you mentioned. I mean, he's made a film that's incredibly personal to him, but also wonderfully expressive as far as showing off all these kinds of different ideas, um, artistic value, the way he put, brings his creations and ideas and imagination to life um, in, the, you know, in the form of a fairy tale, a fairy tale made for adults, but a fairy tale regardless. Um, it mm -hmm. tells a great story. Uh, you have wonderful performances. You have a score by Alexander Desplat, who <laughs> created, I mean, there's beyond like not counting soundtracks with like you know music obviously you know, like um pre-recorded music obviously you know a an actual score beyond star wars this is the one that like i can remember easily from this year um i can easily hum the theme of shape of water which is always a good thing in my eyes not necessarily mm -hmm. the kind of determining factor but certainly speaks to what i responded to and it is a lovely theme that for this movie um that plays so well into the movie that has a lot to say i mean it's telling you this kind of creature from the black lagoon story it has you know it has the you have you have this weird thing and the kind of romance that forms but it also has so much going on as far as how it's dealing with people of this time and what we're not talking about or what what's being looked down upon where you have a black woman and a closeted gay man and a damn a mute woman and an you know a, an alien essentially <laughs> and showing <laughs> how they deserve all the respect in the world uh for doing anything that they're doing uh, regarding without judgment or what have you and showing how these people come together and find a, a level of solace in themselves and with each other and in their relationship and what that speaks a lot to you know the what what's going on in the world right now and where some people are still not in the right line with history essentially um, versus those that are 
seeing what's beautiful about the world and about you know the population that we all share together i mean there's a lot there as well as being like this weird funky bioshock meets amelie movie i mean yeah. that's like <laughs> that's, that's a perfect description i mean it has all that going on and it's funny and it's dramatic and it's scary like it has oh, so much going on and yeah visually I just, it's it's beautiful visually too. it's spectacular I mean, I mean, it, it, the cinematography is fantastic and the set design production design the camera is always top moves notch. i mean yeah the, the there's the, I, it's weird to you know pronounce things as showy or whatnot but you know there's certain movies where you can highlight an aspect very clearly and here the direction's there you can see it and you can see the editing you can see how it flows you can look at and spotlight those things but at the same time it just it feels so effortless in a good way where like you just want to see how this thing unfolds i'm not necessarily focused on you know the filmmaking at play but i can certainly acknowledge all that del toro is doing to bring to life this story as well as the references he's making to films from the 50s as well as films from the 40s or the 30s let alone films from recent times i mean there's a lot going mm -hmm. on here and it's just it's utterly fantastic i think it's yeah. great yeah, that's my number one film of the year. Nice. Um, well, we did it. We we did it. Um, let's let's do some runner ups real quick. What films yes. didn't make the cut? I know I mentioned a couple already, but let's I, I certainly have a few as well. well. Why don't you get to yours? What are you in no particular order? Call Me by Your Name, Wonder Woman, Logan, Three Billboards, Florida Project, Lego Batman movie, and Shape of Water. All right, uh, uh, Brandon. What are your runner ups? My runner up. Yeah, I had. Uh, oh. Okay, uh, I had like the the big sick, uh, three billboards, disaster artist, brawl and cell block, cell block ninety nine, Brigsby Bear, uh, Happy Death Day, Wonder Woman, Valerian, Good Time, Coco. How about you, Zachy? Any runner ups? Uh, yeah, Coco, uh, Ragnarok, and one more that I can't remember. Uh, oh yeah, Baby Driver. So nice. I uh, you can go to my blog or my there or my page on license my top 10 on license would have seen the full list because i ranked my top 40 films of the year but as far as 40 yep i did but 40 you also had year. like 17 others right i had 17 favorite movie moments and i had 17 shout outs yeah i gave shout outs yeah. to films <laughs> because there's like there's so many good so, things. so you liked a lot of movies this I year liked a lot of or, movies, or, but, 2017 yeah. yeah but like it, it's like the shout outs are not necessarily ones that ever make my top 10 but like i want to give you know some kind of oh for sure yeah, some I, kind I of shout out to this film uh, but yeah. it's, but here's my 20 through 11 um, Wonderstruck, Kong, Skull Island, Brigsby Bear, The Square, Darkest Hour, The Big Sick, The Post, Coco, Valerian, and Lost City of Z. Um, so, okay. yeah. Lego Batman movie, by the way, my favorite superhero movie of the year. <laughs> Just saying that right now. It's um, rewatchability is off the charts. It is off the charts. But I was looking at, <laughs> I, was, I was looking at, I was like, oh, we got Logan, Wonder Woman, and uh, Spider Man, and Thor. It Guardi made me and, Guardi to... and Guardians, and I'm like, no, yeah. Lego Batman movie to me is still the best of all these movies. <laughs> also, I mean, it made, was... made me go find out how to make Lobster Thermidor. There you go. It was a great year for the superhero movies. Oh, for genre. sure. Yeah, it, those, yeah, like yeah. Justice League. I mean, I still found fun in Justice League, but I can understand when you know people didn't care if, for if, it. If Justice League is like the low in this, it's like it's been a pretty right. damn good year for superhero movies. Right. Yeah, I mean, every one of them was like, wow, that's. There's some quality here, but then we also found out this year in cinema that people didn't like to laugh too many times. So well, it's a hard year. It was a hard year to laugh in. I mean, I give credit to some degree. Um, so now we're gonna move on to what, what's coming. What's coming up? We're gonna wrap up pretty soon, but let's get to so what's coming up in 2018. We got a question from Gary, who you know he asked, "What uh, what what movies are you looking forward to uh, most in the in 2018?" And we actually I asked this question on our page too, so we got an answer here um, from Chris. Um, who writes uh, The Shape of Water, because he hasn't seen it yet. He's in the UK. He also writes The Meg, St Jason Statham and a Giant Shark. What could be better? I agree. 
Early Man. That's the new Ardman film um, from like Wallace and Gromit and what have you. Uh, Black Panther, Annihilation, uh, You Were Never Really Here, uh, Pacific Rim Uprising, Ready Player One, Isle of Dogs, A Quiet Place, Incredibles 2, Venom, Mortal Engines, and Dawn of the Planet of the Zombies and the Giant Killer Plants on Some Serious Acid. <laughs> well, I have one answer for you. Avengers Infinity War. That's your answer? Avengers Infinity War? Okay. Yeah. Brandon, any uh, films you're looking forward to specifically in uh, 2018? Uh, Mission Impossible 6. Yeah. I always love when those films like come it. around, so... Yeah. That's one. Uh, interested to see how New Mutants turns out, too. That's Same. Interesting yeah, take. Yeah. There's plenty throughout the year, but I'll just throw those two out. Oh, yeah. It's a fantastic year next year. Or th- this year. Zach, yeah, about on, you? On you? paper. Okay. On paper. Zach, what are you looking forward to? Um, well, I'm looking forward to Ant-Man uh, 2. And the Wasp. And, and Ant-Man and the Wasp, of course. And um, I feel like I'm in the minority on this, but I'm kind of jazzed for, for Solo, a Star Wars story. It's, I, I'm not not excited for Solo. It's just like there's probably 12 other movies I'm looking forward to. More than <laughs> you know, it, I, I'm really like I'm, I'm I'm like putting my chit down and we'll see how I feel in like five months. But I feel like people people's expectations for that are like down some below sea level. And I feel yeah. like a lot of people are going to be surprised by it. That's my hope. It's anyway. like I'm the, I, 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 I agree with you. And I think that that's probably because of all the stuff that went down, you know, involving yes. Lord and Miller. Yes. But um, I, I would also be equally excited, if not more excited, if Lord and Miller had also finished the project. Yes. I have, I have I, a lot of confidence, or I have a lot of faith in, in Ron Howard as well. But, you know, if it was Lord Miller, it's like, oh, holy crap, this is going to be fantastic. I've, right. I've seen many places that they, they more more often than not, that Ron Howard has saved the picture. That's what I've heard. Yeah. So. Like, I, yeah, I... I love Star Wars, so it's like I'm not, and like Ron Howard's a good filmmaker. Like I'm not about to be down on Star Wars all of a sudden. It's mm-hmm. more of I, I'm really looking forward to see why this story needed to be told. That's my biggest curiosity because it's like I like the idea of spinoffs, but it's like there's so much we could do in Star Wars. Where I'm like I don't know if I need to see young Han Solo again. But you, you, know, you know I'm what? Gonna see it you in don't want to see how those dice got there. They planted the <laughs> seed in Last Jedi. Come on. Here, here's what it comes down to for me. If if Lawrence Kasdan says he's got a Han Solo story, he just needs to tell. I want to hear it. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's the one yeah. thing I've got behind it is that that well, that was part of his deal for coming. We got this movie because of Force Awakens. Right. He's like, I'm coming back. And then I'm done as long as I get to write a Han Solo movie. And I think right, exactly. The thing I'm most looking forward to about the Han Solo movie is Lando Calrissian. <laughs> so yeah, I, yeah. I <laughs> so I'm Why all about that. Lando Played by Childish story. Gambino. That's right. Um, I'm all I'm all about that. Uh, as far as my picks of the year, I mean, I I have a list of Life's the Blue where it goes over month by month of all the move, of a lot of the movies coming out this year. Mm-hmm. Not every movie <laughs> because it's my list. Um, but uh, Black Panther is easily like without question oh, the movie sure. I'm looking forward oh, yeah. to. Um, I, I'm sure there's plenty of movies that I don't even know about yet that are going to premiere at Con or at Sundance or what have you. But Black Panther, Ryan Coogler made two of my favorite movies of their respective years, Fruitvale Station and Creed. So I I'm all aboard seeing a Black Panther movie with this incredibly black cast featuring Kendrick Lamar producing the soundtrack. It's like what what else? <laughs> like, well, what, you, what? you only have to wait five more weeks. So. Yeah. I know I don't even have to wait that long, which is great. Uh, but yeah, Black Panther easily. Isle of Dogs is I'm a huge Wes Anderson fan. Yeah, and, yeah. And yeah, Fantastic, sure. Fantastic Mr. Fox specifically is one of my favorite Wes Anderson films. So it's, it's like, your Thanksgiving movie. Yeah, it is. So he gets to do more of that. Um, I, I'm really interested in Alita Battle Angel because I 
I really want to see what Robert Rodriguez can do outside his comfort zone. So I'm really hoping that works out. And when you have him and James Cameron working together, that just that makes sense to me as far as something I want to see. Yeah. Uh, Shane Black has a Predator movie, so that's yeah. yeah. Like, yes. Like, I, I'm excited for all of them too. <laughs> the and, Predator uh, Two commentary will happen this year. Yes, it will. It, it will finally happen this <laughs> finally, year. Finally, yeah, yes. we'll finally be able to answer that Jeopardy question that women is watching <laughs> when Predator breaks through. And then you have Damien Chazelle's back with uh, First Man, a movie about Neil Armstrong, which is just I'm automatically interested in. <laughs> and Steve McQueen's finally back with Widows from uh, adapted from a screenplay by Gillian Flynn of Gone Girls. It's like. Steve McQueen's making a like a genre movie. Yes, why would I, why would I not want to see this? <laughs> Sounds great to there me. So yeah, lots of lots of cool things coming out though. We've talked about them a lot in the trailers and whatnot. I'm sure we'll talk about them more as the year goes on. But yeah, that's uh, that's what's going on in the year to come that we're looking forward to. Uh, let's run through all this <laughs> all this wrap up uh, real quick. No games this week. I'm sorry. I'm nope, sorry, guys. Not, I know, I know yeah. you might have been looking forward to games, but we will do a quick out now. What's out now? These movies that are coming out in Blu-ray or DVD this week. Then we have a a number here first is it is all right pass which was, which was on some top 10 list but none of ours <laughs> i noticed uh let's see the foreigner pass i like the ford with jackie chan and pierce Brosnan. pierce Brosnan. yeah, yeah. uh marshall starring black panther or uh, mixed review i think it's fine uh friend request that's on that was on brandon's best right? that's brandon's yeah that's that's top 10 i also reviewed that blu-ray <laughs> <laughs> uh the pirates of somalia uh, if you guessed if Barkhad Abdi was in this, you'd be correct, because he is. Um, <laughs> it, it, it also has Al Pacino and Evan Peters. So that's quite the cast. Oh, oh wow. I, know. Okay. I have the screener of this. I've yet to watch it, but I, I will. Uh, Al Pacino? Eventually. The actor? Al yes, Pacino? Al, Al, yeah, not, not, Al, not Al Pacino from Truck and Thunder, but Al Pacino, the actor. <laughs> ah, okay. <laughs> uh, Mark Felt, colon, The Man Who Brought Down the White House, is a Liam Neeson film that I did not see. Mm, okay. Uh, let's see. The Tiger Hunter? This film with uh, Danny Pudi. Uh, but I heard good things about that. I never okay. got to seeing. Uh, My Little Pony, the movie. I'm sure the bronies out there are just, like, getting, the Jump steel, the bed. getting the steelbook copy of that movie right away. Uh, Bad Day for the Cut. This was on Jason Coleman's top ten list. I ha- I've seen this now, and it's pretty good. I recommend it. It's a small little movie that's a good little revenge. Brandon, you'd like this movie. It has a lot in common okay. with like uh, Jeremy Saulnier's films. Uh, oh. Blue Ruin okay. and Green. I think it has that kind of vibe to it. It's just in Ireland. Hmm. Um, let's see. Judgment at Nuremberg. Classic on, uh, I think it's Kino this week. Um, and on Criterion Collection, Young Mr. Lincoln. Classic, uh, cool. John Ford, Henry Fonda. Henry Fonda? Is it Henry Fonda? I think it's Henry Fonda. Um, all right. Let's see. Extremely cool. These are things that are now streaming on Netflix. Um, and this one I'm really excited about because I've already been watching a lot of it. Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee is now on Netflix. Nice. Since I don't care about other streaming services, apparently, besides Amazon Prime, I can finally watch Jerry Seinfeld talking to people in cars while getting coffee. Uh, This show's great. Have you you guys watched this at all? I've only seen the Barack Obama episode. I've seen a couple of them. It's great. It is great. And I'm only on the first season. There's like four other seasons I get to watch on this. It's great. And they're only like 15 minutes. I can just like, I just like watch like a bunch of them in a row before I go to sleep at night sometimes. Like, this is awesome. You can watch Chris Rock and Jerry Seinfeld just driving around in a car. Or Christoph Waltz. That's a funny one. Isn't it it the Michael Richards one where they stop at like Jay Moore's house and he's like, wait, I don't know if this is Jay Moore's house or something. There's a lot of like, I haven't seen it yet, but there's a lot of like, like like, uh, the one of Chris Rock to get pulled over. Like, it's just really. Oh, yeah, I remember that one. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Also out this week, Before I Wake. This is a horror film for Mike Flanagan that was filmed way back in like 2013 or 2014. But because Relativity went bankrupt, it got just shuffled 
like all over the place. But because Mike Flanagan's making awesome movies on Netflix, like Hush and Gerald's Game, it's like, hey, why don't we pick up this movie? And they have, and I look forward to watching it. It's got Thomas right. Jane and like Jacob Tremblay before Room, and um, so so like three year old Jacob Tremblay. He's really I just he's a little bit younger, yeah. <laughs> but no, it's a Mike Flanagan movie. I like Mike Flanagan. Why would I not like yeah. this? So I'm looking forward to watching it before I wake. And lastly, Captain Underpants called the first epic movie now on Netflix. It as well. wasn't bad. It's really no, I like Captain Underpants. Yeah, it's, it's actually movie. pretty good. I've actually been reading those books to my son, and they're they're really funny. <laughs> it's it's surprising. Zachy, what do the little Hassans think of Captain Underpants? Oh, they loved it. There you go. <laughs> Family approved. See <laughs> approval right there. All right, next week's show. Next week we'll be talking the post for sure. That'll be our yes. main review. I think the commuter might come up as well. That's the new Liam Neeson. Um, Hitchcock thriller from Young, Col- Young Colette Sarah. Um, I like when they work together, so I'm uh, looking forward to seeing how this one comes out. And uh, let's see, last thing we do here, what should people go and see now and what do you plan to see next? Uh, Brandon, what should people see in theaters right now? Uh, keep going to see Star Wars to piss people off. Uh, no, <laughs> you're, you're, right now, like uh, uh, places are going to start getting these like limited release movies that are up for Oscars. Go see those. If, they, if you haven't got Shape of Water yet in your town, uh, see that. Um, and what am I going to go see next? Uh, it's going to be. Uh, I want to see Proud Mary. Like that. That looks like fun. Some throwback fun there. I, and I'm looking forward to that too. It's not getting any press screenings, which is no, like. <laughs> it's, it's like it. Like I saw ads, and then it's it's just now a poster in the lobby is the most advertising. I've seen for a theaters. If, if, uh, you, if you watch sports, you've seen Proud Mary trailers. I, I know yeah. they've been. Okay. Yeah. Or if you watch YouTube, it, it's not not being sold. I understand what you're saying. It's not like regular, okay. but I I think there's an audience they know how to sell it to. So. Okay. I, I hope it does what it does and does it well. Uh, probably that in the commuter this week because I'll be uh, I'm guessing on a show at a movie theater to talk about the commuter. So <laughs> talk about the career of Liam Neeson in action movies and then what to expect from the oh, commuter. Cool. So. All right. Zachy, what should people see in theaters right now? Uh, go see The Post. There you go. Spreads wide next weekend. What do you see next? Um, probably The Commuter. Yeah, that's that's what's next for me. Cool. Abe? Recommend Ladybird. Go see it. And next, The Post. Yeah, Star Wars, Shape of Water, Darkest Hour, I think, are all fairly wide. Um, you can see those. And yeah, The Commuter is probably the next thing that I'll see. Nice. Star Wars open wide yet? Yeah, I, yeah, I heard. I heard. <laughs> no, I think it's li- like, limited New York and LA. Yeah. yeah, and like Denver, I think. Like it's, yeah. it's around. <laughs> All right, maybe Bakersfield. Well, well, yeah. Well, we've done it, guys. We've gone through our top ten lists. We've gone through anticipated films, runner-ups, listeners' top tens, friends of the show top tens, and all the other stuff. We did it. We did it all in a timely under two and a half hour fashion so that's and, all. and and i'd just like to point out that i did this entire show with my baby asleep on my chest oh. she stayed asleep the entire time so Boom. there you go so dad prize help we help put babies to sleep as well and we were <laughs> gonna add mark hoban to this that would have been a whole nother hour <laughs> well apologies once again go to mark hoban he'll be he will be back soon enough for a regular review, yeah. let, let alone our oscar show which is always a lot of fun as well right. um but until that that's going to do it for this week's episode of out now with her and abe you can find more of my work on my personal blog thecodezeek.com you can find all my all of the, my year-end lists over there as well as my movie reviews you can find those there wise of blue and we live entertainment you can also find me at twitter at aaron's ps4 abe more fun stuff over at my Instagram, Oakley Doakley, and Twitter.com slash Walrus Moose. Hashtag Garrett Hedlund is actually a pretty good actor. 
Because <laughs> Mudbound's a good movie, and he's good at it. He's uh, great at it. He's yes. not good at it. He's great at it. That whole cast, I think, is really good at it. Uh, he's good in, he had Lewin Davis, too. He was good in that. Yeah, he was good as the driver of Lewin Davis that said two things. <laughs> and remember him in Pan? Oh. Ooh, ooh, yeah, as Jim James Hook. Yeah. I mean, honestly, that's, like, the one thing I'd give him flack for. It's like, and I don't even know if he's, like... T- like he's, he's, not, like he's not even bad in Tron Legacy. Oh, I hate it. No, yeah. no, disagree. I, I hated him in that movie. <laughs> All right, all right. <laughs> the the good the good is outweighed the bad at this point in the Gary Hedlund club. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Zachy Asano, well, where can people find more of your work online? Uh, go to my website, zackyscorner.com. That's Z-A-K-I-S Corner. That's also my Twitter. That's also my Instagram. And please check out the Movie Film Podcast and the Nostalgia Theater Podcast. Brandon Peters, where can people find more of your work online? Cult Cinema Cavalcade, cultcinemacavalcade.com. Um, find me on Twitter at BT Peters. Uh, all the social media for Call Cinema Cavalcade is at CC Cavalcade. Uh, our next episode will be uh, the Monday after this one drops, and it's the Exorcist to the Heretic. Oh, yeah, no, fun. Not, not a good one. Got a spooky scene in there <laughs> in the hospital. Yeah. Uh, all right. You can find all the other episodes about Now Theron Nape over on iTunes as well as on Audio Boom. Listen to us over at SoundCloud, Podomatic, and HSWLOD. Feel free to email us any thoughts you might have had on our top 10 show, let alone your top 10 list yourself, over at outnowpodcast at gmail.com. Answer our questions, ask yours over at facebook.com slash outnowpodcast, or tweet them at us at twitter.com slash outnow underscore podcast. And obviously, of course, if you had it on your top 10 list, that only means one thing. Send Abe Clowns at our oh, I was gonna say page. That you're, a bad, you're a bad person. <laughs> but also send Abe Clowns over at outnowpodcast.tumblr.com. All Just the kidding, clown gifts you can, and we've gotten many from some of our listeners, which are Probably amazing. Don't. <laughs> <laughs> Hide. Uh, Brandon, Zachy, thank you both for joining thank us tonight. Both. Thanks for having me. This was fun. For sure. And until next week when we see just how well Spielberg posts those post papers, that's going to do it for this week's episode. So until next time, so long and goodbye. Ryan Gosling's journey in Blade Runner pretty much come with a, a similar d- familial reveal of our hero's quest that they yeah. feel that they're a yeah. part of something. And, and nobody complaining about Blade Runner, but oh man, it happened to Ray and it's just the end of the world. Um, that's because ain't no one watched Blade Runner. That's, why no <laughs> right, that's true. <laughs> and, and Harrison true. Ford didn't, you know, float away into nothingness at the end of the movie. So. Right. <laughs>